Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face. We are back after a week layoff while I was away for Labor Day vacation. All this crazy stuff has happened since I left, and there's been some great games that have come out. I'm swearing to you guys, we have an amazing episode today. And alongside me to do that is Matt Kyle. How are you, Matt? All right. Did you do anything for Labor Day ultimately? Um, not really. No? Watched some movies. Um, stayed inside. Yeah. It was very warm. <laughs> It's like crazy. I was on the East Coast. It was like 100 degrees and like 95% humidity. What do you expect from the East Coast in the mm. summertime? I get in a plane. I'm like, oh, finally going back to California where the weather's going to be nice. There's going to be no nope. humidity. <laughs> back here, it's like almost as bad here as it was back there. It's, yeah, it's it insane how unusual, hot it's been. unusual of humidity here. There's humidity. There's like, never humidity. Like Wednesday and Thursday, it was raining. Yeah. And it was like all gray. And yeah. It was. It did not look like L.A. It felt like the East Coast. Yeah. I came, I brought it back with me, the weather that I had on the East Coast. But anyway, uh, glad to be back. Glad to be back doing Game Face. I definitely missed you guys and missed doing the show. I don't know if Matt did, but uh, mm. eh, here and there, Maso Menos. Um, and again, there's been a couple big games that have dropped while we've been gone. We're going to talk about those today. There's been like three huge events. We're going to talk about those today. We have a gigantic show. And my biggest fear right now is that we don't get through the whole show. It's going to be tight getting it in under three hours today. So I don't want to spend too much time on the intro. I hope that you guys, at least our American viewers, uh, had a chance to enjoy Labor Day and get some time away and hang out with family. Maybe hit a barbecue or two. Um, I did a big fantasy football draft with my old crew from Philly, and that was awesome. Got to go to Philly for the first time in a while. Because I've been going to that draft, but now they all live in the Burbs. So I don't always get into Philly proper. Mm. Uh, but the first night I got there, one of my buddies was DJing at a club event. And so after that was over, he took me on a little mini tour of Philadelphia. And oh my gosh, that city has completely transformed. I was blown away by how much that city has improved. Like, I don't know if any of you guys are from Philly. If you are, you probably don't realize it because you see it all the time. Like, my friends there are like, what are you talking about? To me, it was, like, mind-blowing how much they've developed that city, mm -hmm. particularly North Philadelphia, which is where I went to school at Temple, which is generally one of the worst neighborhoods in the United States. Not exaggerating, it just is. Um, and even from, like, City Hall all the way to Temple, two-mile stretch, all redone. There were these old theaters back in the day when I went to school there that were crack houses. They've now completely redone the theaters back to the way they were hmm. in like the 60s. It's amazing. I really got to hand it to Philadelphia. They've really turned it around. It's great to see. Uh, but anyway, again, I don't want to spend a ton of time on housekeeping today because we have a lot to get to. Um, I saw a couple people in chat wondering like, what's up with my vacation to Greece? That is coming in the second week of October. Um, so I think we leave on October 15th or whatever, and then we're gone for like 10 days. Uh, so we got a good four or five episodes here of Game Face in a row before I take off well, for my first vacation in a really, really long time, as far as a real vacation anyway. Uh, but that's mid-October, just to let you guys know. So just be prepared for a little bit of a down period in the middle of October, and then I'll be back in plenty of time to kick Q4's ass for you guys here on Game Face. Before we get going... If you're listening to this show on a podcast service and the show's on all of them, um, it would be great if you could help us out. Head to patreon.com slash sifted, S-I-F-T-D, with no E. Um, all the money we make comes from our Patreon. Um, and if you want to help us, that's the best way to do it. You can give us a dollar, a billion dollars a month, whatever you want. Uh, the only thing I'll say is if you want to get all our content early, it's $4 a month, which I think is lower than most Patreons, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like a lot of them have gone up while we've stayed the same. 
Um, so anyway, if you want to help us, that's a great way to do it. Or you can help us with Twitch Prime and instructions if you're watching on YouTube to do that are down below. Um, and with that, Matt, I think we really got to get going because this show is going to be insane. And today, this morning, there was a Nintendo Direct. And Matt, I would say this was Nintendo's E3 press conference. Mm -hmm. um, they've had a couple little things since like they would have had their E3 thing. But this was like the big blowout. I mean... Well, it's like, what are we doing for the rest of the year? Kind yeah, of thing. and it, as it turned out, like the first half of 2023 as mm -hmm. well. Um, and there was just tons and tons of announcements in this. Um, I'll be honest with you, I chopped it way down. Like, we're going to talk about seven or eight things. And there was probably, what, 30? <laughs> My guess. About that, yeah. Like, 30 announcements. Like, the, the email that Nintendo sent me was like three pages long. To provide synopsis of everything that yeah, it was. If you, if you like farming RPGs. <laughs> Today was your day. <laughs> or square uh, games with weird titles. Yeah, but this is one of the rare cases where I was doing a show on Tuesday. It's working out. We're able to deliver our takes on all the stuff that happened in the Nintendo Direct today. Literally just hours after it actually happened. I love it when a plan comes together. Obviously, Matt, the biggest news from this Direct is we finally have the subtitle for the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And it is called The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Timing's a so little sorry, odd. Sorry, UK. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I think Nintendo actually canceled airing. Yeah. Not that it matters with the internet. But I think Nintendo UK did not they didn't air. Stream it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they streamed the Which, thing. Which, like, if I was a Nintendo fan in the UK, I'd be pretty pissed yeah. about that. I'm just like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Come on. I don't want to get too far into it, but I will say that the royal family is one of the most confounding things. I'll never understand why people care about it. I mean, um, I'm, I'm descended from Irish people. You know what I think. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I respect people's opinions or whatever. I do not understand the royal family at all, personally. Um, if I were running Nintendo... I don't think any... I, I would never have connected those two things no. in my head. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not from the UK, so I, get that probably, I don't... I'm not surrounded by it constantly like, they, like you are there, but like... Come on! How about the timing? Imagine being yeah. Imagine being at Nintendo and knowing this, the name of it, and then the Queen dies, and you're just like, oh, come on! Like, I mean, they've obviously known the subtitle for this game oh, for a yeah. long time. That is a huge world there. What is going on? Okay, let's let's start talking about this trailer here, Matt. Because first of all, it's only 45 seconds long, but it does show some revelations. I guess is the best way to put it, as far as what we've known about the game so far. It appears. That there's this whole other world up in the sky. And we knew there was some element I mean, to that. It's the Skyward Sword again. Do you I, think it is? I mean, that's, you know, there's stuff up in the sky and there's stuff down on the ground. I mean, they, they mentioned that before, that there's going to be aerial stuff. They did. So, I mean, that makes sense. And it seems like there's some kind of thing where you're, there's, you're bringing color back to the lower world or something. Because there's that one shot where the... He's lowered, lower, going up on a, on a boulder, and the boulder's in color, and the stuff above is in color, and the ground is black and white. I'm not really sure what's happening there. So there's some kind of a puzzle element between the ground and the air yeah. worlds, is what I would say. That's what it seems like to me, anyway. I mean, it seems like a safe bet with Zelda. And then, have they got rid of the stamina mat? God, I hope so. Do you think so? I mean, um, that shot right there tells me, and this shot yeah. tells me? I mean, also, all that tells me is they don't have the HUD on. Yeah, Look how high up, I mean, it wasn't about the lack of a HUD for me, though. It's what they're doing. So it's like if you're going to connect, hold on to a boulder that flies up into the sky, mm -hmm. it seems to me that having a stamina meter, if that's a big mechanic of the game, would be a detriment to the mechanic. 
Maybe. I mean, I would be hugely in favor of getting rid of the stamina meter. But, Agreed. Uh, I have a hard time believing they would do that because it's kind of like the trademark of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like maybe your stamina. Look at this shot right here. Look how high off the ground. Yeah. Well, also he could have just glided over to that. He could have. You know, like I, I don't trust it until we see some gameplay. Yeah, I'm not saying it's set in stone. I'm just saying there's some subtle hints here. I like, would be shocked if they got rid of the stamina. The stamina maybe extend it. Maybe 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 make it more more forgiving. Yeah. But like I would be stunned if they got rid of the stamina. Yeah. That is Breath of the Wild. It kind of is for better or worse. I mean, yeah. for worse in my opinion, I hated the stamina. I'm not a fan <laughs> of it really. No, and I'm not. I mean, climbing up the wet rocks with the stamina. I yeah, do not want to do that again. I mean, I hope they adjust that because it's like when it rained in that game, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to wait here until the rain stops because yeah. otherwise I can't climb anything yeah. effectively. Um, yeah, but I like, you know. I What's like, up with this thing here? What's, I mean, what is clearly that? Clearly it's his sky wing. Does he plane. have like, does he have a ship now? No, I think that's just Instead what he, of having the bird to fly around on? what he rides around on. I'm sure he also has the, the parachute. Yeah. The, the hang glider. But it just seems to be his way of getting around, you know, in the air. Cause Instead like, of having the birds like in yeah. Skyward Sword. Yeah. Were you a fan of that duality in Skyward Sword? I mean, I don't mind it, but they didn't really do anything with it. Yeah, I know? just thought it was kind of pointless, honestly. It, it was just sort of a, another load screen. Well, they, I mean, there were, like, sections where you had to fly the bird, like, yeah, dogfighting and it wasn't and stuff. interesting, and you made me use all the stupid motion control. Like, it was, you know, like, this looks better to me. Like, okay. I, this is more of my, it looks like an actual game mechanic instead of, like, a gimmick. Yeah. Um... Where you gotta, you're gonna do this huge world, and there's like an upper world and a lower world, and you gotta let him get around, and you can't have him just glide everywhere because he's, you know, you're, you don't have powered flight, so you give him this little magic wing, gob, green goblin platform, and you know that's okay, cool, well, that's neat. Are you surprised Nintendo doubled down on what most people consider one of the least popular Zelda games, Zelda three D Zelda games anyway? Not really. I mean, it, it feels like there's a lot of potential to the concept of that world. They just didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, honestly, this this game could take place in a toilet and people would buy it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's, That's true. Um, Nintendo didn't really give us much details, even in the email that they sent me this morning. Um, here's some of the copy that was in there. It said... I do note that that wing thing he's on is pretty big for one person. It is. Yeah. I still believe there's co-op in this game. Maybe. That would be that would be a big story. Um, here's a copy that they sent with the press release today, Nintendo. Um, in addition to the vast lands of Hyrule, the latest entry in the storied Legend of Zelda series will take you up into the skies in an expanded world that goes beyond that. Beyond that? Mm-hmm. Beyond what? That's just how it ended. Okay. And an expanded world that goes beyond that. Link's going to space. I mean, <laughs> we're in the heavens or something. I don't know. Metroid crossover. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, this shows very little of the game. Yeah. It doesn't really give up much at all, except for, for most people, the most important part, which comes at the end, which is the release date. May 12th, 2023 for the new Zelda. How long will it have been in development at that point? Is that eight years? Oh, uh, that would be... Uh, no, well, no, that, no that, it's not eight. Uh, Breath of the Wild came out in 2017. Right, yeah. So that would be Five, six, six years. years. Yeah. That's a long time. A little time. over six years. <laughs> That's a really long time. Does this uh, new trailer and this announcement make you more excited for the game? No. I mean, I mean, make, I guess in the sense that like there's an actual you know, date now is mm -hmm. cool. Uh, I also... Part of me just like, eh, let's watch it slip to November to coincide <laughs> with the release of the new Switch. Yeah, so. possible. 
It's definitely possible. What or, do you think this says about the next Switch? Do you I think mean, it's coming it's in May? It's either coming in May or maybe it's coming in the fall. And, and then, then they'll delay this. Or, either delay this or make you buy it again. Yeah. Um, or it'll just run better. Have, it'll just work. Work better on the... You can uh, buy it for... There's part of me that looks at some of the stuff in that trailer. It's just like, you're going to get that to work on the Switch with that draw distance? Yeah. Hmm? I mean, if so... I hope everyone at Monolith Soft got a raise because they're the one, you know, the, the yeah. Xenoblade people are the ones making that stuff possible. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, Matt, watching my overall, and maybe I should have kept this for the end after we're done talking about all the games, but my overall feeling after watching this direct is that I'm really starting to lose excitement for Switch software at this point. And it is yeah, due to the hardware limitations. I mean, part of me appreciates that some of it is, you know, only there. Like, I like that the Front Mission remakes yep. are coming. Like, that's mm-hmm. cool. I like that series. I've never played the early ones because they never came here. So I'm like, you know, all three of them are getting remakes on the Switch. Like, yeah. That's great. I'm excited about that. But I will admit that when other games are, I'm like, oh, I'm interested. Like, the, the Front Mission remakes, I'm interested. But I did Google to see if they were on other platforms. Right. Because I would rather have them on something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it's exclusive to Switch, sure, I'll get it on Switch. Like, It's like the Switch delivers, like, at least one thing I'm happy about every quarter, which is the same as that every Nintendo system has done since the 90s. Roughly accurate, you know, yeah. Since the N64. yeah. Which also had a quick moment yeah. today. Like, I'm at the point now where I would probably prefer that they make Metroid Prime 4 for the next hardware. I think they are. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty, Or at least they've got their eye on it. Yeah. I think they're making it with the idea that it can run on that and they know what to do with it. To me, it feels like it's close enough that if they start announcing stuff for the next Switch... I'm not really going to be all that upset about it like I would have been a couple years ago. No, it's time to move on. It's time, yeah. And that was the overall gist that I got from this is like, it's time. It's mm-hmm. time to move on from this old... I mean, it's been time. It has been time, yeah. And I think, but... I've, I think I've finally reached the point where I'm not getting as excited for Nintendo's new mm-hmm. games as I probably should. Yeah, and I'm not like, it's like, yeah, as we've seen, like I'm not as, you know, and everything has to be like, oh, next gen, only a next gen, yeah. I don't care. But like Switch games don't really run very well. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing. Yeah. To the point that things like Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, you know, three... Pal, three Eight, hopes, three hopes, yeah. Yeah, what was it? What <laughs> three, was hopes, three yeah. whatever, yeah. three houses. Was the fact the... that that runs as well as it does is surprising. It is, you know, like yeah. it's, it's always impressive. Or when Xenoblade Three runs very well. I don't well, it's interesting it that we. It's the only platform left where you really consider that. You worry about, yeah. It's Although one. there is a game that I played, that we're going to talk about a little later in the show, where there were frame rate issues, and I was shocked by it. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, definitely the the impact of Nintendo announcing new games now, it's a little muted. Compared to where it would have been three or four years ago. Well, also they don't. There's not a lot of big stuff in here from yeah. Nintendo, really. Yep. It's just like weird little things or Pikmin. Yep. Um, nice segue. So, <laughs> uh, as Matt just alluded to, finally, after all this time, Nintendo has officially announced Pikmin Four. The rumors have been circulating for forever yeah. that this game has been finished for years, and we always wonder on this show. Okay, so when are they going to release the game? Finally, we get a look at the next Pikmin, and they even had Miyamoto introduce it. Miyamoto showed up in this direct. Yeah, it was good to see him. You start yeah. to wonder after a while, like he shows up to do to say nothing. About pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but Pikmin's show, one of his babies. He'll show up for Pikmin. That's yeah, about it. Like, that's love, bizarre. Pikmin. I mean, Pikmin. I guess was based on like his garden. Yeah, his home, gardening. So yeah, it's one of his big hobbies. So. Yeah, but here's another trailer where it's 15 seconds long. It doesn't yeah. really show anything. 
Um, and here's what Nintendo said in the press release for that. Pikmin 4, the latest entry in the adorably strategic Pikmin series, will be launching in 2023. Um, a tranquil that said, maybe you don't draft it in the fantasy yeah. draft. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's probably a safe bet. Um, and all it really just shows is that quick, this quick pan of the park with the napping bulb orb. Um, and it's missing. There's no Pikmin in this, Matt. Have you noticed that? Well, he hasn't crashed yet. I guess you're right. But in the, the copy that Nintendo sent out, it said, where could they be? Mm. So there's something with the fact that there are no Pikmin. Wherefore are the Pikmin. Yeah. Even though wherefore means why. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why anyway. are the Pikmin is also a good question. <laughs> what the hell are these things? Yeah, so we got 2023 for Pikmin 4. Nothing specific about the part of the year, which we'll be seeing it. Um, but it's feels finally like a, coming. Feels like a late year. Yeah. Although, you know, like it really would be, you know, if it feels like a summer game to me, just in terms of tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nintendo and specifically Miyamoto are the kind of people who would release a game at a certain time when they feel it's the right season for it. So mm-hmm. maybe, but like, I don't know. You don't want to get, put anything too close to Zelda. The other thing, too, is that they couched this Nintendo Direct as featuring games that are coming like in the near future. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be like all it could be a the springtime game, too. It could be. Like, yeah, like a March yep. or an April. It sounds like May is the furthest out most of these games are that they yeah. show, which obviously is Zelda, Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. So I'm going to guess Zelda gets made to itself for the most part. Yes, that would be <laughs> probably the best idea. Um, and I then bet a lot of other publishers are wiping wiping the sweat off the brow right now because they're like, thank God Q1 is not any more crazy than it already is. Well, so May is like a very safe month. Like yeah. most publishers aren't releasing big games in May. Nintendo yeah. knows it can do it because the it can release Zelda whenever. March. Yeah, and like you know, there was certainly some expectation that they might do March again because yep. like you you know you pick the release date that worked before usually. Mm-hmm. But uh, May is an interesting place to put it. It doesn't matter. No, not really. It, it could release it any day of the year and it's still going to do great. So as you said earlier. Uh, so anyway, Pikmin 4 is finally coming. We finally have an announcement, but not a hard release date just next year. Next up, Fire Emblem Engage. This was one of the few games that Nintendo... For the Engage. <laughs> this is one of the few games that Nintendo showed that actually was a beefy presentation. The trailer yeah. for this is like three or four minutes long instead of like 30 seconds like a lot of the other ones were. It is the next mainline Fire Emblem strategy RPG. Not to be confused with the game we mentioned earlier, which was a Muso. Um, hack and slash fire emblem game from team ninja this is the legit one um, from directly from nintendo there's also a pretty beefy write-up on this in the press release that nintendo sent out um it read in a war against the fell dragon four kingdoms work together with heroes from other worlds to seal away this great evil 1000 years later the seal was weakened and the fell dragon is about to reawaken as a divine dragon, you so I guess you play as a dragon in this, which yeah, you, is you play as a dragon of light, or yeah, something that was awakened after a thousand years. Yep, as a divine dragon, use rich strategies and robust customization to meet your destiny to collect emblem rings scattered across the robot or across the world and bring peace back to the continent of Elios and Celica and add their power to yours in this new story. The turn based tactical battle system. The Fire Emblem series is known for returns with a fresh cast of characters you can customize and engage with to carefully craft your strategy. So, sounds like Fire Emblem. Yeah. But you have now have control of a dragon. Looks good, though. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know how much dragoning he'll do, but he seems it seems to be key to his ability to summon the old, use those rings and summon the characters you recognize from the other Fire Emblem games. Yep. Art style is a little different than Three Houses. The eyes are a little even more anime-y, if that is a word, 
They're definitely higher gloss. They got more of like the light refractions on the mm. eyes um, than than the last game did. But I feel like it looks pretty good. Yeah. But again, it's like this is all you're going to get out of the Switch at this point. This is max output for Nintendo's hardware at this point. Um, is it too soon for another Fire Emblem, Matt? No, it's been a while. It's been, what, two years since the last one? Three Houses? Three yeah. Houses was a while ago. Was it that? Was it longer than that? I think so. Yeah? I can't remember when Three Houses was. That game was so big that, like, I'll be honest with you, playing Three Hopes, the hack and slash, I was I was having flashbacks to Three Houses and all the time I spent, because so, so many of the mechanics in Three, ho- in, uh, three Hopes are the same, mm-hmm. that I started having flashbacks. Yeah, I started remembering. It was 2019? Three years ago. Wow. So technically it's due. I don't know if personally I'm ready to play another gigantic 70-hour Fire Emblem game, though. I don't know. I don't know either. I think this game looks better than Three Houses, though. Like, the art style, it's more dramatic. The shadowing. Yeah, it's it's clearly got a scope that the Three Houses didn't. Like, yeah. Three Houses is more of, like, a Harry Potter go-to-school thing. Yeah. Uh, this seems to be more in the line of the older Fire Emblems, which were, you know, continent-spanning sagas. Yeah. It's one of the things I liked about Three Hopes was it kind of got back to that. You know? Like, yep. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm into it. I'm like, the problem is that it, what, is it, this is uh, January. January 20th, yeah. 2023. There's a lot of stuff coming. There is. At that time. I mean, 2023 is just going to be an amazing year for games. It just is. It's going to just rock our world. Like, like, I'll play this for as long as until something else comes out, like a five days later that right. pulls me away from it. You know, like, it's 2023 is going to, especially Q1 is going to be. It's you know, nuts. Hard to focus. It's absolutely nuts. It's just going to be like two or three big games pretty much every week, which yeah. will be great for Game Face, but not so great for our sanity and our free time, that's for sure. Uh, but again, that is coming on January 20th, 2023, mm-hmm. the next mainline. The good news is there'll be plenty the of time to play it in the summer because there's nothing that's true. coming in the summer. This could be one of those games where I play like the first 20 hours or so for Game Face and then go back and finish yeah. it off like months later when things slow down. I will say that guy's hair is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little absurd. It reminds me of something, but I can't put my finger on it. I can't remember where. I don't know where the reference is coming from. I but... don't know. To me, it looks like Pokemon Red and Blue came to life. <laughs> okay. And he's summoning Fire Emblem characters instead of Pokemon. That's possible. That's possible. Uh, but anyway, that is Fire Emblem Engage. Again, it is coming exclusively to Switch on January 20th, 2023. Next up, a classic revived kind of Tales of Symphonia remaster. And this is a remaster. Mm-hmm. It is. It, <laughs> it, it looks this pretty much to me. This pretty much just looks like the PC. It, it really doesn't look like much work has been done on like this. They've at all. done a little touch ups on the textures and the characters' faces and stuff. Yeah, but I played the PC version of this like a year or two ago. I remember. And, like, yeah. This really doesn't look all that different from. Yeah, me. I mean, obviously it looks it's better fine. than the GameCube yeah, version, definitely. but. but... <laughs> Mm. <laughs> mm. yeah we'll see how much it, this, i like this game but we'll see how much this costs i loved this game when it came out um this game came out just as i was about to start working at tech tv yeah that's right like that week i think it came out and i had like a couple days off in between working at GameSpot and working at tech tv and i ended up just diving into this game and playing this and it was like 65 hours or something yeah. insane more if you did everything yeah i mean you'll definitely get your money's worth out of this it was two but... little discs yeah yeah that's right it was two discs i forgot about that um and the story in this was pretty good too 
Yeah. It's not told very well. I mean, no. you can see how the cinematics work in the game. But the story itself is pretty... Yeah, it, it, it justifies its scope. It does, yeah. It, kind, of and a, it, kind of in a Suikoden way. Yeah. I mean, the story is relevant and, inter- and interesting all the way to the end. All the way to the 60-some mm-hmm. hours. At least for me it was. So, it's a great JRPG. One of the first, like, big action RPGs, I would add, from Japan. Um, back then, pretty much all JRPGs were still turn-based, but... Well, Tales was always ahead of the curve in yeah, that regard. it was. Like, Tales started that on the PS1. Yeah, um, so if some of you guys are too young to remember Tales of Symphonia, Matt, would you recommend that somebody play it in 2023? Um, I don't know. It's a slow burn. It is. Um, I mean, Tales of Arise is probably more the speed of someone today. There's is, five other Tales games that yeah. feel more modern. For and sure. even if you if you want to go back to this era, I would argue that Tales of the Abyss mm-hmm. is probably the best one of this mm. of the PS2 GameCube stretch probably um i don't know where you play that now um i just i think this is a this is such a slow burn it's hard to get pushed through that initial 10 hours it is um certainly was hard playing the pc version a couple years ago i'm like oh i don't remember this being paced quite so glacially (laughs) but in reality it's just i was used to it then yeah that's that's just the pace of everything was and now they're not yeah and so it was just like that was a difference it could use some work that i don't think it's gonna get no a full remake could be like you incorporate a lot of the the stuff they'd learned and incorporated into the combat systems in the subsequent games yeah because symphonia was a, a watershed for the series yeah it became, absolutely it, a lot more people it found huge. out about it, it. very well it yeah. Be, yeah and like suddenly they got like some attention and some buzz like, i don't think you have tales of arise today without tales of symphonia on yeah. the GameCube. um so it's a piece of history i would say so it in is. that regard it's probably yeah. worth playing if you haven't played it for some reason yeah um you can skip the wii sequel yeah but, uh, i still regret not buying that green Tales of Symphonia GameCube when I was in Japan. That mm, thing's worth so yeah, much money. Now. I remember that. It was just sitting there like on sale. Nobody was buying them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, should I do it? So all those things didn't. are. I remember. I remember back in the day going into Toys R Us with my mom, and they had a stack of Fortress Maximus's the uh-huh. Transformer for it was red tagged for fifty percent off, which was fifty bucks, which was <laughs> a lot then. Yeah, yeah. They originally they were hundred percent, hundred dollars. Yeah, it was crazy for money. Nineteen eighty six. That's a lot of money. And I wanted one, and she's like, no, too much. And you know, now of course they go for thousands <laughs> and so. And it's just what you think of. It, it's like, yeah, there was a point where those were all on clearance. Yeah. And now they're the most. They're the most sought-after thing in the fandom. Yeah. I wish I had bought a lot of GameCubes I saw in Japan back then, because they're all yeah. those are worth a ton of money A lot now. of those weird things. Like, they didn't release them here, yeah. for the most that part. That weird Space Invaders thing. I oh, yeah. Remember that, where like, you, it came with a little cocktail yeah. machine, and you put the PlayStation controller in it, yeah. and you use the the joystick and the buttons, and it somehow worked. Yeah. Like, it was, that, was, that was cool. I don't There's, even, I don't even cool. know where that is now. It's in the garage somewhere. You have but, it here. Oh, yeah. It's somewhere. But like That's worth some money. Uh, it is, but I would have to find it. Yeah. <laughs> And hope it's not destroyed from yeah, moves or whatever. I have no idea. Yeah, it's in the, it's in one of those bins. Yep. Uh, okay, let's move on with the direct from today. Uh, next up, the Nintendo Switch Cloud Revolution continues with a slew of Resident Evil games to play on the cloud on Nintendo Switch. They announced four games today: Resident Evil Village, the Resident Evil Two Remake, the Resident Evil Three Remake. And Biohazard, Resident Evil 7. All four games are coming to Nintendo Switch via the cloud. Um, I feel like you could probably play these games on the cloud without too much issue. Yeah, there's, po- there's points where I feel like I wouldn't want that that lag 
on some of the shooting. Yeah. Like, that wouldn't mind. Like, two and three, the remakes, maybe. But, like, I don't think I'd want to play eight like that. Yeah. I, I, there's, there's some stuff where you need the precision. Yeah. Um, sort of like with Control. Like, I, I, you know, playing the demo of Control was like, oh, this ain't going to work for yep. me. Like it's, yeah. You know, it's, eight isn't that intensive in terms of the action stuff, but I would still rather not. I would prefer to play it yeah. natively for sure. But like, I, there's literally no reason to play these if you have any other oh, no. platform. No, this is purely for Nintendo-only people who don't have other consoles and can't mm-hmm. play these games any other way. That's pretty much the only audience for these. And I'm sure they'll sell, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 of each one of them. And that's more than enough to satisfy, like, just slapping them up on a server and letting people play them via the cloud on their servers or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, I would actually like to... I know I just saw in the trailer there's a demo available for this. I'm actually, this week, I'm going to give that a go to see... I've never tried the Switch Cloud stuff to see how it plays. So I'm going to give that a go this week and see if it actually functions. Maybe somebody in chat has already tried it and maybe they have some insight for it. I mean, us. I tried it control when they did the demo of that and I did not find it acceptable. I see people in chat are asking the same thing I am. Has anyone tried the Nintendo Cloud mm-hmm. stuff yet? But it doesn't look like um, anyone has. And Sneaky does have a good point. Like, they, if they were cheaper, it would be one thing. But they're not. Yeah. Are they full price still? I can't remember if they're full price, but like I think Control was like 50 I think Control was, was not cheap enough for me to just try it like without the demo. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Cost. Exactly. Vincent says that every cloud version has a demo. I should have tried this before now, but I will this week. And um, that'll give me a frame of reference for this stuff going forward. Um, matter of fact, says whatever Control used for Switch, it was great. Almost no lag in 60 frames per second. I do not agree with that. Hmm. Like I... I I've played Control a fair amount, and I definitely noticed the control lag on it. Hmm. It ran pretty smooth, but like in terms of frame rate, but it I definitely noticed the difference. Like okay. from the very start, All right. it was it was not as as snappy and responsive. Uh, Listevit, thank you for uh, subscribing with Twitch Prime. I missed all you guys at the beginning of the show actually who subscribed. I'm going to run back real quick and see if I can get to those because I always want to. Thank you guys, if I can, personally. AJ the Legend Watson, thank you for all the tier one subs you gave people. That's awesome. And here comes the Twitch Prime folks. Darmist, thank you. Toast9, thank you. Commander Fett, thank you. Erebus Jones, thank you. Too Quick Capri, thank you. Karma Lounge, thank you. Um, I think that's it. Andy T. Monahan, thank you. Emperor Dread, thank you. Nexus Six Baddie, thank you. A lot of you guys jumping in. Yep, Towman, thank you for the bits. That's awesome, man. We appreciate it. I guess that's a welcome back uh, gift, the bits. Uh, Va- Va- Vagarant X and Wampler13, thank you as well for Twitch Prime. That is awesome. And you guys are awesome. Um, so, yeah, I will give some of that Resident Evil stuff a spin. Um, yeah, this more. week and check it out. Oh, there's more. Justin Horman, thank you. Ammo Clip 20, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys are the and best. And oh. is, is scroll if you scroll up. Oh, yeah, I got him, actually. He was the one I first started with. Le Steve D. Le Steve D. I always call him Le Steve D. I think he's he, cool with he's it. He's back. Oh, and now he's gifting tier one subs. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Again, another reason to always show up at twitch.tv slash siftedgames every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, okay, let's move on to the next big game in today's Nintendo Direct. And it is an old Kirby game reimagined for Nintendo Switch. Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Mm-hmm. It originally launched for the Wii, and it's coming to the Switch on February 24th of 2023. 
Um, I will say the villain in this his name hits different these days. Which one? What is the name? Magalore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, here's a quick synopsis from Nintendo about the game. Or maybe it's not the villain. Maybe that's who you team up with. I can't remember. Magolore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one day, a mysterious spaceship crash lands on planet Popstar to help the mysterious Magalore. Kirby and his friends set off on a captivating quest. It's captivating, Matt. When inhaling certain enemies... Kirby will gain access to a wide range of copy abilities. Thank you yeah. for that, Nintendo. Which is where that's this started, I think. Yeah. This is one of the first, it's one of the oh, first really? things I remember him doing that. Really? No, I don't think so. I think there's 2D games that have copy abilities. The I thought this was a 2D game originally. This is from the Wii. Is it? Yeah. yeah it's remaking a Wii game. Uh, I thought it was like a remake of one of the older ones. Mm -mm. Uh, with the new Mecha copy ability making its debut as well. Uh, the game supports multiplayer for up to four players. Um, on the same system by sharing Joy-Con controllers. I don't know how much fun that is. Plus, everyone can play as Kirby at the same time while using their favorite copy abilities. There's also a collection of sub-games to play, including returning ones like Samurai Kirby and new ones like Magalore's Tome Trackers. Are we ready for another Kirby game at this point? I really feel like the that poor guy is just getting whored out. <laughs> like, he just... I don't know. It feels like there's just too many Kirby games at this point. Well, technically, it's not another one it's just an old one right but there's work being done on this and it's being released i just how it's what else do they do i feel like the curb the latest kirby game didn't sell especially well as it is and it was different it was a 3d platformer instead of um it's, it's typical 2d exploits but it just feels like that game just came and went with the whimper like it feels like nothing really resonated with people with that game which I'm surprised because it was really good. I really liked it. But maybe Kirby, they, people want their Kirby in 2D. I don't know. But this one's coming. But again, it's not coming until next year. Next up, Octopath Traveler 2. We finally got another trailer for this. This is a game that's in cooperation with Square Enix. Um, and it has, as we've talked about before, the HD 2D art mm -hmm. style. Which I normally really like, but I don't know how I feel about that giant lizard. Yeah. It doesn't look, doesn't look too good. Yeah, it's a tricky art style to use, because you're mm -hmm. right. Sometimes it looks amazing, and sometimes it looks completely ass. <laughs> and, uh, Jet, like, the first Octopath Path Traveler, I thought they did a great job yeah. with it throughout the entire game. So I have high hopes that this will be the same. I mean, mostly it does seem to be the same, but that, there's a, you're, you'll that see one the shot. hunter, yeah. the one shot of that giant lizard. I'm just like, oh, I don't like how that looks. Yeah. This one, like, I just don't yeah, think that works. Yeah, it's like out of focus, and you're right, it doesn't work. It's too big. Yeah. Um, like, you could make it work. Like, you could, you gotta buff that up a little bit yeah but the main thing that i'm i'm happy about with this is that it uh it specifically called out that the character stories intertwine which was my primary complaint about the first one was that the stories were completely separate and nobody had yeah. anything to, you never got felt like the characters got to know each other or, yeah. or work I'd together or anything and so now they're intertwining the stories and that's my main was my main request for this so cool i'm in yeah it's all i needed and, I, and the music, I the the music on this is still great. Yeah, I never finished the first one, but I did play it a lot. Yeah, I played a lot of it. I just I hit a point where I was just sort of done with it. Yeah, I felt like it hit a lot of diminishing returns eventually. And like, especially because like there were some stories I was interested in and other stories I wasn't. 
And when I was done with the ones I was interested in, I had no real interest in going back to do the ones I wasn't. Because you knew that they weren't going to intertwine with the others. No, there was, ne- <laughs> I, there was never going to be any of the characters I enjoyed were never going to like be involved and like yeah. kind of pull me through it. So I was like, no, nah, I just don't want to spend that kind of time with those characters. I hear you. This is going to prob- hopefully change that. Yep. Um, or and- maybe they'll have eight stories I care about and it won't matter. But like yeah. I, the intertwining is the key here. I, making those stories feel like they these characters meet each other and become part of each other's stories is kind of the main thing you need to make this happen. I mean, it should have been part of the original game. Mm-hmm. I understand that they kind of had to, you know, they were pro- I'm sure that was in the original design docs, but there's there's realities of making a game like that work mechanically that you had yep. to get through. It's not easy. Uh, and so now that they've done that, they can kind of maybe take it to the next level in this one, and I'm hope- hoping that's what this will be. It certainly looks like that's what they're doing. Yep. Um, and then just a couple smaller announcements. Um, and again, there was tons more. We're not going to get to all of them. There was literally over like 30 announcements in today's but- a lot of it, Matt, was just third-party stuff that's finally coming to Switch. For example, It Takes Two. Mm-hmm. Game of the Year caliber game finally is coming to Switch. Um, I'm guessing there are going to be some sacrifices in the visuals there because it does not look like that is a mm-hmm. cloud game. Um, no, definitely not. And that game looked pretty good at points. It wasn't pushing I the boundaries. I do like that it is free online play, though. Yeah. You need that. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Otherwise, no one's going to buy it. Uh, they also announced some new Nintendo 64 games coming to <laughs> Nintendo Switch. Hope you like Mario Party. Yeah, a bunch of Mario Party, Pokemon Stadium, Pilot Wing 64, Excite Bike 64, underrated game, uh, 1080 Snowboarding, finally, and then GoldenEye 007. Finally, all the rumors about GoldenEye were put to rest today. Not only is it coming to Switch, it's also coming to Game Pass. Like, GoldenEye is alive again. Well, the remake is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, the re- but the Xbox one does not have online play. Is that true? That's what I read. Interesting. Whereas the the N sixty four one on Switch does have online. Play. Really? That's what the that's what the trailer here said. Wow. So classic has online, and the 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 reimagined one on Rare Replay does not seem to have online. Weird. So that's bizarre. Huh. Okay. Um, but that's a pretty good slew of N sixty four games, and they're very quickly going to hit the law of diminishing returns with that stuff as well. They've already kind of skimmed off the top at this point of the N64 catalog. It's going to start going deep at this point, um, which isn't bad because there are some pretty good games deep in the catalog on that platform as well. So, uh, But most of the big stuff at this point for N64 have kind of already been released for uh, the service on Switch. And again, you have to be a subscriber to Nintendo Switch Online before you can access those games. Just as a reminder, uh, Mario Kart 8 Wave 3 tracks were shown off. Um Yep. Have you played? You don't play Mario Kart 8. I've never played Mario Kart 8. I played the first wave of tracks just to go back for nostalgia purposes, but I've not gone back since then. Um, but wave 3 is coming, so you'll get more classic tracks for Mario Kart 8. Um, and we mentioned It Takes Two is coming to Switch from Hazelight, finally. They showed a new Bayonetta 3 trailer. Um, we're not going to show that because it was... Actually, I think it did introduce like a new protagonist, or maybe two new protagonists. Well, two helpers. Yeah. Um... um uh, uh, there are returning ones, uh, Luca and, and Jean, and then uh, the new girl with the short hair, the pixie cut. Yeah. Yep. Um, that was really the focus of the new trailer for Bayonetta. That's coming next month. So that's coming up really quickly. And it's still coming next month. They didn't delay it, which is great news. Um, Nintendo Switch Sports Golf is finally launching. They had talked about it when Nintendo Sports launched. Lo- Nintendo Sports launched. And now it's coming in the fall. It'll come with 21 courses, or I'm sorry, 21 holes, 
and for eight players. And it's coming this fall. Uh, Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse. It's coming to the West for the very first time on Switch. It's never been released in the United States. And that's coming in early 2023. And then today, one of the very best shoot-em-ups in the history of shmups was released for Switch with Radiant Silver Gun, a legendary shmup uh, from back in the day. Do you have fond memories of Radiant Silver Gun, Matt? I still have the Saturn version. Yeah. Um, And that's a pretty big deal. And that came out today. That's available now, um, which is a pretty big deal. Um, the Big Smoke 82 says, apparently the Switch's N64 emulator allows easy four-player online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine that will be in play for Mario Party as well. Yeah. And Andy T. Monahan says, also, if you own Rare Replay digitally, you get GoldenEye for free, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. they got to figure out something. It's part of Rare Replay on the Xbox. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Digital Reflux says that there's a seven-minute new video for Bayonetta 3 on YouTube today. So apparently they released an even bigger video that we didn't show you. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's not it. There was just dozens yeah, of other, other announcements. Anything that I missed that you would want to bring up? Um, I mean, you clearly missed... Uh, what was that stupid name? What, the Square Enix RPG? Square Enix, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. But yes, it did have a really Various stupid day title. Life. Was that it? What was it called? Various Day Life. Various Day Life, yeah. Which might be... might They might have finally beaten... Uh, Infinite Undiscovery <laughs> for dumbest, <laughs> for dumbest title, title ever. Next game, yeah, um, yeah, various day life, which I appear, apparently seems it looks like it might be by the the Bravely Default team. It looks like the same art style, mm-hmm. or at least the same character designer, maybe. But it looks yeah. like you're doing odd jobs for people who live on the docks. And then a page of fighting, <laughs> fighting monsters. Um, Wahoo. Also, just so many farming games. There was, there was like three or a four remake of, of uh, Harvest. It's a Wonderful Life. There was a, there's a, a new Rune Factory. Maybe it was a remake of a Rune Factory. Rune Factory 3. Is, yeah. it, is, it, is it new or is it a remake? I think it is new to I thought here. they were up to Rune Factory 4 at this point. I've I don't. Know. I've never played any of them. I don't Harvest, know. <laughs> Harvestella, which is you know maybe would have been the dumbest name in this in the yeah. show if it wasn't for Various Daylife. It's also Square. That comes out in November. At least yeah. comes out this year. Um, a lot of stuff like that. It's the, the, the new Theatrhythm game, which is like the Final Fantasy Thirty. Oh anniversary yeah, thing that, that like, is one I probably should have like five hundred mu- tra- music tracks in yeah, it or yeah. something like. If you're into that, that's that's lots of deal. Japanese games were in the direct today. Yeah. yeah, I was stunned by how many like un- indistinguishable anime action RPG. Like, you know, there's another Atelier game. There was yeah, I was scrubbing through it, like looking for footage to clip out for our B-roll, and it was just like one anime frame after another. Oh, just yeah, scrubbing the, through is just anime. The beginning anime. of the Atelier <laughs> trailer, I'm just like, yeah. you could put a gun to my head and, and say, if you don't guess what this is in three guesses, you're going to. Die. I would not make it out of that. <laughs> I would not make it out of that saw trap yeah. alive. That would, that was... uh, but overall, a pretty good Nintendo Direct. Yeah. They had big stuff. They had small stuff. They had Japanese stuff. They had third-party stuff that they're playing catch-up on. Overall, there's a pretty good release calendar for Switch yeah. here well, over the next... A lot of it's stuff that's not going to be on anything else. Yeah. Over the next um, nine or ten months, Switch looks pretty good as far yeah. as like the software that's coming for it. Looks okay. 
And uh, no, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, no Metroid Prime 4. They didn't show that at all, which just yeah. leads me to believe that... I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. I was maybe hoping for the Metroid Prime remake they, they keep talking about. Because those were rumors were flying this week. Yeah. That we are going to see the Metroid Prime remake, remaster, yeah. whatever and it is. And switch versions of the uh, Zelda remake. Yeah, of Wind Waker, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Wind Waker and or Twilight Princess, and which we got be down with. I'm, I'd be happy for that. Yeah. I'd, love, I'd like, really like to see that because... But none of it showed up. No. So <laughs> we didn't talk about it. Uh, but overall, man, I'd give that direct a B plus, A minus. Yeah, it's, it's a solid B. Pretty good. Say. Yep, pretty good stuff. Um, and if it were Nintendo's E3 press conference, I probably would have been mostly satisfied with it. Probably would have hoped for a couple other big first party exclusives and would have hoped to have seen a little bit more of Pikmin, probably. Pikmin mm-hmm. 4. Um, after the long wait for that. And that is one of those story oh, games. Yeah, they got a um, uh, release date for Crisis Core. Oh, yeah. Sort of thing. And that's coming to everything, yeah. which is why I didn't include it, because we talked about that before on Game Face as well. So, overall, pretty good direct from Nintendo, but we ended up covering probably a third of oh, it. Oh, and Vincent says the new the new game from the Everybody's Golf developers, uh, a.k.a. Hot Shots Golf, uh, Shadow Drop today, and was only in the Japanese. A golf game? Yeah, only in the Shadow, only in the Switch. Uh, the Japanese version? Japanese Direct. Oh. But it Shadow Dropped everywhere. So there's a new... There's a new game from the Everybody's Golf developers. That Clap Hands? Is that the studio? Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, it's <laughs> just the weirdest. So I, love, I love Hot Shots Golf. So <laughs> Me too. I, I would definitely give that a, a Why chance. Why would you release that without any? I don't know. That's. What, I mean, you know what? Everybody, <laughs> the last Everybody's Golf kind of did that too. Yeah. I picked that up for like three dollars in a in a sale. I'm like, when did that come out? Three years ago? What? No one told me. Like, I used to keep up with that all me the time. Me too. I used to love it. I love. I played. I spent a games. lot of time playing Hot Shots yeah. Golf in my life. I like, played real. a lot of that, and I played a lot of uh, Super Swing Golf on the Wii, which was Panya. Yep. In on the on the PC, but like. Yeah. I like those like kind of arcade cutesy golf game. Like, Me too. With, with like, like the arcade cutesy golf games that have like deceptively like Deep accurate like, yeah. like <laughs> physics and golf mechanics. Yeah, yeah like I mean that's Hot Shots. Yeah, it's like it looks cute or whatever, and, and it looks like, like oh, an arcade. And then you start yeah. playing it, and you start to realize that there's yeah, a lot. This is, this is Lynx disguised yes. as a cute yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So anyway, there you go. That's the latest Nintendo Direct. That was always my complaint with Tiger Woods Golf. Is it's like, why is this not as good at golf as right as Hot these Shots? other ones? Like, yeah, yeah. as when the cute be. games. Yeah, I remember the Tiger Woods game for N sixty four was one of the worst games I ever yeah. played. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's move on. Like I said, we got a big show today. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about a big event that happened over the weekend, which was Ubisoft Forward twenty twenty two. Which also, for all intents and purposes, was Ubisoft's E3 press conference as well. <laughs> with all the disappointment that comes with that. Were you disappointed by this overall? I thought most of this was bleh. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll start going through it. Um, the biggest thing, obviously, is that they laid down the blueprint for the future of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was kind of wondering. We didn't. We knew we weren't getting a new Assassin's Creed game this year. We wonder what was coming next year. We talked about a bunch of rumors that were flying around, I think, like three episodes ago on Game Face. Um, And as it turns out, almost all of the rumors were true. And there were some bonus uh, games that were not rumored that we did not know really anything about beforehand. Um, Um, One. Yeah. The Jade one was not. Hexy, right? I knew about that. We did? Yeah. I didn't know that was floating out there. Hexy and Red leaked a few days before. Well, well, I think Red, it was after our, our So episode. Red has been rumored for years. Yeah. It's that game that we kept thinking was coming next and it never would. Yeah. Red is allegedly having some trouble. Oh, really? Because the guy who's leading it is one of the guys accused of a lot of you know, oh. horrible behavior and a bunch of people don't want to work on the project. Oh. And you'd think, 
I mean, I don't know, you know, I know people who worked over there and like did, did not like that guy and such, but like, it's weird to me that if you're actually having trouble completing your multi-million dollar project that is going to be a key part of your revenue for a quarter coming up, and it's like the problem is like people don't want to work with this one guy. Why are you Get rid of him. that guy? Yeah. At, at one, <laughs> Get rid of him. At what point does it not become worth to protect these people? I know. You know, like, it's, it's really very weird. Because they've also lost so much talent yeah. in the last two years already. For God's sake, the people, the Exodus people from Ubisoft named their new company Haven. Uh-huh. Yeah. What does that tell you? Come exactly. On. Yep. Uh, one of the things we did find out, though, Assassin's Creed Infinity is not a game at all. It no, it's is a platform. It's just the platform. It's a hub that like ties everything together, kind of like a portal. And it's not coming for a long time. Is that true? Because on in the thing, they said, in the coming years. Really? We will implement Infinity. So like they're near the end of the little presentation they do about Infinity, they, when they cut some of this stuff, they say, in the coming years. Well, I guess technically you have to have the games out first that are going to link into it. Yeah, but like... So, Red, which we're seeing right now, is one of them. And that's all you'll see for a long time. And that's all you see. That's all they showed of Red. This and Hexus seem very far out. Yeah. I mean, clearly, obviously Mirage is coming early next year. Yeah. Which we also saw nothing for. We'll is, talk I mean, about that but in a like, second, but, but it's like... I got nothing out of any of this. Really? Like, it's nothing. It's it's little... See, I didn't know about teasers. Hexy at all. I definitely didn't know I mean, that I don't it was care set... If I, I don't care if I knew about it already. I mean, I knew that this Salem thing existed and all that. But see, I, I didn't know that at all. I don't care if, if I knew about it. I'm just saying, we didn't see any gameplay. We didn't see any yeah. details. We don't know anything about these, and these could be years away. I don't care about yeah. that. Red is under development by UB Montreal. Is that correct? Yes. It's in Quebec. Yeah, and then this... then. Hexy is under development by the classic Assassin's Creed team, correct? In Toronto? Yeah, I believe so. Maybe, yeah. That I think that's how it was. I don't, I don't know about who's doing that. And um, then Mirage, who's doing Mirage? Um, oh, Lord. I don't even know. Delfino says Red has been worked on since 2020, allegedly. C-Note 51 says this could have been a tweet. Yeah, it I could guess have. I could agree with it that. But <laughs> even, I mean, even Mirage, like it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's you know, CG and we learn about the story and the characters and it's really cool that, um, you know, you, that the, I can't remember, I can't remember her name ever, that voice actor, the, the, the actress who's. The oh, yeah, character. they even did like a little developer yeah. doc with her. Like, yeah, She's in the boys. In, yeah, yeah, instant you hear her, her voice, right? You, oh, that's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like. It doesn't tell me anything, like you know, because like you know, obviously they're like, oh, it's a smaller game. It's only going to be fifty dollars, even though they're, we're saying it's going to be seventy dollars price point for our big games from now on. It's going back to the you know, it goes Grimmel. back to the old. But style, we didn't yeah. see any of that. We don't know anything about it. We didn't see how they're doing that. We didn't hear anything about. I mean, except what you can kind of infer from some of the stuff in this tri- in the CG here. But like, we don't know anything about the fucking game. They didn't tell me tell me anything. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm irritated by that. I mean, we know the. The lead character, obviously. Yeah, but, you know, I, but I don't know anything about what Valhalla. I'm going to play. I don't know anything about what the... You know, if they're going back to basics and kind of reinventing, it's not going to be like an action RPG. Like, so you they, know, the last week, they, they didn't fucking tell me anything. They did release some in-engine screenshots that... Yeah, I just don't... That I, kind of tip its hand. This is not what I'm interested in. I, if you're going back to basics and changing the formula up, I'm interested in that. I'm excited about that. I want to see what you're doing. And they didn't. Yeah. If it's coming out early next year or whenever, next year sometime, like, you should be ready to do that. But apparently not. Um, I mean, I, I, th- I found that very annoying after so many years of nothing, of, of just constant Valhalla crap. Um, at least they confirmed that Valhalla is finally going to stop. Well, I, I would um, say this. I would say that's a failure of Ubisoft first. And then I would say it's a failure of the press second because 
the information that Ubisoft sent me does share a lot of the stuff that you're wondering, like, what is up? Right, but I want to see it. No, I get it. So that was a mistake by Ubisoft mm. first, and then it's the press's fault for not looking at the materials that Ubisoft sent and disseminating that information out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is... Mirage is a stealth-driven action adventure. And they released four screenshots, and, like, you can just tell by the four shots that they selected to release that it's old-school Assassin's Creed style. Like, there's one screenshot where he's perched up, looking down on an enemy, getting ready to dive down and assassinate him. And there's another shot where he's jumping off of a an object, and he's got his blade out, and he's coming down on somebody. Right, but I don't care about that. I want to see... How does the progress work? How are you planning the assassinations? Do you even need to plan the assassinations? Is there yeah. events that happen you can take advantage of, which they kind of got back to a little bit in some of the DLC for Valhalla, and OCD Master 1 points out that this started as Valhalla DLC, so it's probably the Valhalla team working mm-hmm. on it, which makes sense. Probably. Um, the France DLC in particular in Valhalla uh, did actually send you on actual assassinations where you had to go around, talk to people, figure out how you're going to do it, and then do it, which I liked. I thought that was like, that's more Assassin's Creed original Assassin's Creed elements. Um, if I mean, th- this is the first trailer. This is how Ubisoft yeah. debuts Assassin's Creed. It yeah. always does this but CG just, thing first. And it's then... just been years. Yeah. It's just been forever. It's, it's, it's the same kind of disappointment as Gotham Knights to me, where it's just like, you've been gone forever, and this is how you come back. Like, that's mm-hmm. not interesting to me. Like, Mirage is interesting to me. Basim is an interesting character. Like, I'm excited to go to Baghdad. I'm excited to go back to the basics on this, but I want to see what you're fucking talking about. Yeah. I think we'll get it pretty soon, like, because as you said, like it's there, coming out pretty there's soon. There's an argument to be made that now is not the time to just keep doing things the way Ubisoft has always done them yeah because it ain't working yeah it's not working anymore so yeah hand it over yeah and it was interesting too how yves was made a point to talk about how yubi is now protecting itself from being acquired yeah after we had all those reports that he was shopping yubi around and they were read the family was ready Mm -hmm. to sell and get out of the business and his son wasn't interested in taking his place and running the business and now we hear that He's doing everything. I mean, it sounds a lot like a that didn't work, so we're gonna it could be. stick with this. It could be. Thing. Um, I am excited for Mirage personally. Like I thought this trailer did its job. I agree with you. It doesn't give away much as far as how it's gonna play or you know the the mm. flow of like. I just how- felt the whole Assassin's Creed section was basically devoid of information. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's it was a very present. You know, they did a thing with the putting everybody in the room, and they got the voice voice actor for Sean, and they did. It was very corporate and PRE, but I didn't get any information out of it. I couldn't have inferred from a tweet. It as, felt as like it was made already. for not our audience. Yeah, people who are not informed. Who the hell else are watching this thing? Like, you yeah. Know, I think Ubisoft is a little delusional, though, Matt. Yeah. Like, they, I don't think they quite get, like, otaku culture. Maybe like, not. I don't, but it's like, you know, I, and it's not like I blame them for the leaks or for, you know, yeah. various people finding out that the... the Although part, you could. I could, but, I, you know, <laughs> but it's just, you know, so I'm not a, an annoyed that I knew about Red and Hexa before they showed the little teaser thing. I'm just annoyed that it's like, you've been gone forever and you didn't tell me anything. Yeah. Like, the closest thing we got to any information about Infinity is that... It's going to, like, incorporate all the games from now on, and it's probably going to have a standalone version of the multiplayer whenever they decide what that's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. what? Like, it's, you know, that, right now it just sounds like Ubisoft uh, Connect with a new logo on it. You know, I, I don't yeah. know what... If you're really going to do the thing where, like, you know, things you do in one game impact how things play out in the other games, like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
that sounds like it's 10 years away. That sounds like a nightmare, too. Yeah. To make work. That sounds like something. That's, <laughs> it's like a, a, that sounds like a fun bullet point that's never going to really make it into the. A disaster yeah, waiting yeah. to happen. I love this shot right here, though. That one shot where he, like, assassinates a guy who's dying and he just gently pushes him down as the dude, like, figures out he's, like, there. I mean, like I said, like I they like are demonstrating this kind of more of the blade in the crowd, and you don't want to take on six guys yeah. by yourself thing here, so that's good. But yeah. like again, I would like to see the game play in the gas traps. Like they show some stuff that yeah, but also like we've done been we've done this dance before with Ubisoft where they show stuff like you know this is obviously not a gameplay trailer, but like they showed that in that Breakpoint trailer that, right. that tricked you. Right. And in the end, when you play it, it's just like every other fucking <laughs> right. Ghost Recon game. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I'm I I know in my you know in my in my heart, I know that when it comes down to this, I'm just gonna do the counterattack 40 times and kill all those guys until they stop coming and they just walk <laughs> out of the square. Like that is how it worked. Unless you make me do the optional objective thing. Again, which I hate. So there's no way out, really. Sneaky says this series doesn't interest me at all anymore, and I have an Assassin's Creed tattoo. Jesus, that is that is a lot. That's, that, <laughs> Congratulations just, on all your success. Just Sheaky. send that. Just send that directly to Eves. Like that, that is maybe one of the things that they need to hear. Yep. Uh, and then Vincent said uh, that it's being developed. Mirage is being developed by uh, Ubisoft Bordeaux. Mm. Um, I don't know. Which I don't even know what any of that stuff means no, anymore. I don't, they're I don't all just they like a big amoeba that just like yeah. morphs depending on where they need help. Um, yeah. So anyway, before we move on from Assassin's Creed, I do want to talk at least a little bit about these two uh, spinoff mm-hmm. games. As Assassin's- oh, and as Vincent says, Infinity is going to be where all the modern day stuff is. Yeah. You're never going to see modern day stuff. Out yeah, that's right. Otherwise. Modern day. Which feels stupid. It does. Like, it's just feel like, dumb. like, I'm sorry people don't understand that. And that, yes, that the whole modern day plotline got derailed. A, because Patrice left after uh, Brotherhood and, and Revelations. And B, um, Ubisoft overcorrected when they heard everybody complaining about how they don't understand the modern day thing and kind of ruined it in yeah. three. Also, they their stupid contract for Kristen Bell ran out after three games so that she didn't come back for three. Right. Kill her. Um, and That's a problem. And after that, they went that did that weird stretch where the modern day stuff was like, you work for Ubisoft, but it sucks. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there was like Black Flag and those things where it's like, walk around an office that is suspiciously like Ubisoft developing games and being abused by your superiors <laughs> and I'm, like i'm glad you guys are getting some sort of occupational therapy here but like i'm this is not very engaging yeah um so i can understand why people sort of turned fully against that idea but it's segregating it off into the infinity thing is so silly yeah i can't even imagine like what is that gonna be what's the payoff for it is my question right. like where are you going with it like why like, like i'm fine with the modern day stuff if you have somewhere you're going like they were yeah. going something with the desmond stuff and then they just sort of stopped to put it in coordinate off in infinity though makes no sense and also like you want people to re-engage with it one of the other examples was how like oh we always have the codexes and sort of the the, you know the the encyclopedias of things in the games and now they're all going to be on infinity and all going to be coherent and all think working was this a problem was this a big thing everybody was not for me i'll tell you this much if you are going to put the codex entirely on infinity you better have sean yeah. do the voice because the whole reason anybody I think likes that codex is Sean's sarcasm yeah, yeah. in the write-ups. Well, to coin one of your most popular phrases, you know, it's a problem in search of a solution. Right. <laughs> so. It's, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's, 
I, uh, uh, the Abram asks if Assassin's Creed lore interesting. I thought I think early on it is, and I yeah. think I, you know I like the whole like ancient civilization that was here before humanity and like all that's and like that's the secret. The concept history. I like the execution yeah. hasn't I, been I, great. I don't think anyone ever sat, especially after. Um, 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 uh, especially after the original writers left, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think anyone ever sat back down and sort of planned out what the Assassin's yeah. what are we, where are we taking conflict this? was all about and why they, what they wanted and what they were trying to do and yeah. and all that kind of thing. I I just don't. It's it's a shame. Yeah, let's talk about these other Assassin's Creed games very quickly. Um, there's Assassin's Creed. Codenamed Red. It is set in feudal Japan. It is the Assassin's Creed that people have been waiting for and asking for for literally like a decade at this point. Even Ubisoft in the uh, press materials that they sent out for it said mentioned that you know fans have been asking for this for a long time. It's also been rumored for a long time. Um, this is the next mainline Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. And then following up from that is a game we just mentioned previously, which is Assassin's Creed Hex or Hexy, however the hell you say Hexa. it. Hexa. Hexa. Yeah. Um, it is set in Europe, in Germany, during some... 16th century witch hunts. Yeah, which are apparently were worse than the Salem witch hunts. Yeah, well, the Salem witch hunts were just didn't were not on the scale. Yeah. Um, I am all about this, by the way. Bringing, like, witchcraft and the occult into Assassin's Creed, to me, is something that is long overdue. Like, obviously, you know, it, it definitely has a... Uh, what's the the horror m- franchise that started the whole found footage thing? Blair Witch. It's got a Blair Witch element yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah, um, which I'm also 100% cool with. Like, I'm, it's it's cheap maybe to copy it, but whatever. It, I knew what it was when I saw it. I was like, oh, this is about witches. Um, I wish Assassin's Creed did more of this type of stuff. Um, went into new arenas. And then lastly, there's Assassin's Creed codenamed Jade. For which a second, it, I was terrified that this was the ancient Japan one. Uh, and that, that was a mobile game. And I was not <laughs> happy for a split second. And this is a mobile Assassin's Creed. It's coming to iOS and Android. And it is a full-on open-world action RPG for mobile. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to work with this monetarily. I know, but I'm waiting for the PC port. Yeah. yeah. It looks pretty good for a mobile game. i got to say that. Yeah, it looks all right. But just, uh, Nope. How are they going to monetize this, Matt? Is this going to be I'm like sure watch ads to play? No, I'm sure it'll be the same as everything by costumes. and everything. Really? Yeah. You think they'll be able to make money with that model with this game? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. People love costumes. I know that selling games at full price on mobile is a huge mistake, so they can't do that. Mm. Um, other people have learned that lesson for them at this point. But yeah, they're just long gaming this, I'm sure. Yeah. And it, I guarantee there got to be a ports of this at some point. You like, would think. I mean, they did the same thing with Liberation yeah. and stuff. You know, That eventually got full-size PC and console ports, even yep. though it started on PSP. Was it PSP? Yeah. This is set Rita, in ancient China, remember. like 200 BC. Um, so you can also, be a shame to cool. waste all the all the effort and, and research on ancient China on a mobile game. And yeah, never, never bring it to because you're right. They're still going to do all their due diligence. Yeah, no matter where what platform its games are for. I'm sure it's just targeted because, like you know, the mobile market in China is easier to break into, and this is sort of where they're That's going with possible, that. Possible, actually. That's actually smart um, from that perspective. I'll play it, and I rarely play mobile games. I. 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they handle the controls for Assassin's Creed on mobile. Not pops. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath that they're going to do a great they job with it. Maybe they have like one of those add-on things or something. Right. I don't know. You know those like vice grip things that oh, snap boy, on. Oh do I not care about this? <laughs> like just put it on a real gaming platform or call me later. Yeah. Uh, that is the future of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Uh, there's Infinity, which is a platform. There's Mirage, which is the next game, which is a throwback. It's more stealth, action-adventure focused. Then there's Codenamed Red, which is sent, uh, set in feudal Japan. There's Hexi, which is set in 16th century Germany. And then there's Jade, which is set in 200 BC China. Um, and then also they announced that there is a the last chapter of DLC for Valhalla, is coming mm-hmm. this holiday season. So there will be some Long new last. Assassin's Creed content um, for the holiday mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Well, that's just a quest line. But I'm so far behind with up. the other DLC at this point. Well, I started, <laughs> I mean, I will say after this, I started focusing on uh, on Valhalla again mm-hmm. to try and to try and get through it so I can be ready for the final chapter so I can finish that and delete the 160 <laughs> gigabyte monstrosity <laughs> off my damn hard drive. Like it's, it's crazy. It's taking up a lot of space. It's really bizarre how random game sizes have become. Mm. It's I like, mean, Valhalla is gigantic. Especially I mean, just... on PlayStation where some people seem to have figured out how to use that Kraken compression mm-hmm. and then some studios have not. Yeah, this, I mean, Valhalla, I, I don't think it's an, an unreasonable size for how much is there. The content, yeah. But, like, it's just... That's on PS5. It's what happens when you leave that leave a game like that alone for three years and just keep expanding it. Yeah. I mean, it's Call of Duty size. It gets big, yep. I mean, at least Call of Duty lets you install now the parts that you want. Yeah. So you don't have to install the whole, like, 150. I mean, you can technically do that on Valhalla, too, but I think there might be an issue with the save, trying to load something right. that doesn't have the yep. DLC installed. It could get funky, yep. So anyway, that's the future of Assassin's Creed. On to other things that Ubisoft mentioned in its forward. It showed a boss fight for Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. I, with every new piece of media for this game, I get more excited for it, Matt. That is coming also in October very soon. Um, so now at this point, it's all gravy. Everything they're showing at this game is just a hype generator to get people excited. They pretty much expose everything as far as the gameplay loop and how that works at this point really the last thing to show is like how do boss fights work and they do that in this video uh, matt are you excited for this game mm. how much did you like the first one i can't remember it's all right i mean yeah. this looks more interesting because it has you know it's a little more free form yeah it's not so rigid it's not quite as turn-based mm. i thought i mean but like i also feel like if there's a game um of this sort of vague you know this sort of it's not XCOM, but if there's a game of this nature that I'm looking forward to this year, it's Midnight Suns. Yeah, which... Not, not this. <laughs> shockingly, now is coming this year. Yeah, now it's going to be in December. <laughs> yep, that's part of another uh, I think that was. Segment. I think that was them realizing that they Had a cannot face. put that out in Q1. <laughs> It'll get buried in and Q1. And it could be very well if they get it out in Q4. Yeah. And then you're maybe right. They may be like, you know what? A couple bugs. You know what? Let's, yeah, let's just squash <laughs> some bugs okay. on day one and, and just... <laughs> Not get destroyed by every other game in the world. Yeah. The other thing I wonder, too, about um, Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope is it's not going to be quite as copacetic for handheld play. Now that no, it's not as turn-based not. as it was before. I don't know if that will affect it in any way, but just an observation. 
Um, they don't generally, seem to take that into account too much. Yeah. Today. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look like Zelda's going to be no. catering to that much. But generally, turn-based games are perfect for handhelds, because you can just pause it whenever you want, and you're no this, worse I mean, this wear. seems to be a very loose definition of turn-based. Yes. You know, there's a lot happening on each turn. There are turns, but yeah. it's more open to interpretation. It feels more like an action game. While you're in the yeah, turn. It feels, I mean, it feels like Valkyria, Valkyrie Chronicles. Yeah, that's with a good way like, to describe except it. Except like there's platforming involved. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, but anyway, that is coming Very, in very o- combo driven. Yeah. But this is coming in October, and I've, not no surprise, is it a Switch exclusive? Um, we'll be covering it here on Game Face, I'm sure. Next up... And the, oh boy, DLC. Yeah, oh, there's tons of it. Yeah. Three, three DLC Rayman's packs, including coming. Rayman. Yeah, so. which is cool. Interesting. It's yeah. free too, all of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. That a lot of publishers don't do that anymore. Uh, next up, the Division Heartland, which is a free-to-play cooperative shooter set in the Division universe, which just means it's post-apocalyptic. That's really all the Division pandemic, technically. <laughs> but you're right, post-pandemic. Does that mean endemic? Uh, maybe. <laughs> they don't really seem to get into that much, do no. they? Like everyone, I think everyone in your playing all your. Rainbow Six people are basically already vaccinated. Yep. <laughs> Probably so. Um, do you have any interest in this at all? No. I do love The Division. It's one of my favorite games as a service. As I liked as The go. Division uh, a well, but I played it too much and burned the out. The first on one, it. you played yeah. a lot. Yeah, I burned out on that game. Yep. Um, and this one is really nothing. It has The Division name, but it's not per se a division game it, it plays again it's a cooperative shooter yeah that's free to play so it's not all about clearing out the dark zone as it were in the prior games um but i'm gonna give this a try it's free to play why not um but yeah it hasn't really set the world on fire it doesn't seem to be generating a ton of hype at this point ubisoft has not had i forgot a, this was in the presentation yeah you brought it up Ubisoft has not had a great track record with its free-to-play games so far. It, w- it doesn't seem to want to give up. Uh, it keeps I mean, it's, working on them. It's more interesting than the roller derby one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Or Hyperscape. It's yeah. free-to-play Battle Royale shooter. Um, I'm inter- more interested in this than either of those games. But, yeah, Ubisoft so far has not had a lot of luck working in the free-to-play space. But maybe this is where they'll finally figure it out. And then finally, we got another look at Skull and Bones, the game we all thought was canceled, and then we found out it wasn't canceled because Ubisoft needed something to release this holiday season. Um, we found out that not only is this game $70, but all Ubisoft's games going forward are $70. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Fine. It's really the first, other than Take Two, it's yeah. the first third party to really jump on the $70 bandwagon. Yeah, although Mirage is apparently 50 Yeah. Because um, it's smaller. Right. But like, yeah, I I mean, uh, Steph Sterling was complaining about the, the that price point, too, although mainly in the context of Last of Us Part 1. Mm-hmm. But, like, we haven't had a price hike on video game prices since 2005. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous that these things really cost is. as little as they do. I hate to say it, and I know it's it's not going to make me popular no. with the people who watch Game Face, but it's it should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, like it's, let's just it's, be honest, man. Like budgets have only gone up, and the fact that it stayed at sixty for seventeen years. Yeah, I mean nothing has done amazing. that. I mean, just think about how much inflation has gone up in just yeah. the last like eighteen months because I, of COVID. Like if I if I go to a movie with two people and and get food, I'm spending almost the same amount of money as I am for a new game. Yeah, yeah. I hate to say it, but it's time, people. Like it just is. Like, yeah. 
It's and tough if, to take when you're yeah. used to spending that sixty bucks it's or whatever. An extra ten bucks, you know, you buy enough games, that's another game you don't get to buy. It is. I mean, I get it. Yeah. But like, it's, it's. But if you want the industry to survive and thrive, and you don't want every game to be a game yeah. as a service, nature of the beast. And also, you're in LA. We have a skewed perspective on some of that movies cost 17 to 20 dollars right ticket here right like, you know that's, that's yeah like my wife and i we got to see a movie here it's 60 bucks yeah by the time i buy two tickets and i get a drink, drink and some and popcorn, popcorn and, there you, you know, go hot dog like you're, yeah, you're one that, yeah, you've a hot dog or one box of like milk duds or whatever there it is there's two so, hours gone yeah yeah so and hopefully you play a 70 dollar game more than two hours <laughs> <You> hope. <laughs> um i admit i'm a little guilty of that at times but you know, yeah mostly because yeah. i don't like them and look, we're not being anti-consumer here. It's just the truth of the matter. Yeah, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, the reason that we're getting all of these games as a service is because the cost of producing because they've been games too afraid to raise up. the price of the main game. Like right. that's why that rose as such a big. That's why the micro the microtransactions that everybody hates so much are the things that have been keeping games at sixty dollars. It's true. Yeah, because so, ultimately with those microtransactions, they end up making. That's where they get the the, making the difference plus that. Yeah, and yeah. so and now some, you you don't want that. You reject that. Now you're paying ten more bucks for the games. Yeah, it's one or the other. Yep, it sucks, but it's just. But seventy, I'd say a seventy dollars price tag at Best Buy or Walmart is less predatory than loot boxes in the yeah. game, right? Now I will say uh, this: I am more willing to pay seventy dollars for a new game versus like a remake or a remaster. Uh, I guess to Steph's point, mm-hmm. um, I'm not as angry about it as she is, but I can I can understand the point that is being made there. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, Ubisoft is only slapping a $70 price tag on its new games, um, It's at least so far. <laughs> well, it is a slippery slope, because once you do start charging that 70 bucks, suddenly you're like, well, I think I'm probably charge that for everything if we want to now, and people get used to it. So we'll see how it goes. But right now, Ubisoft, I think, is saying the right things as far as raising its price. And I also would argue that this is probably now that a big third party like Ubisoft has come out and announced this, doing this across the board, my guess is almost all the other third-party guys are going to yeah. start doing the same thing. So don't be surprised. Yeah, with 2K and you be doing this. There's no reason for, not for everyone to do it. Yep. So. EA, Activision, all of them. So I would imagine that you're going to start seeing $70 games across the board going forward. And again, like, you know, Sneaky brings up a good price. We're, we're still paying less than the rest of the world in the U.S. Like, mm-hmm. games in Canada have been that expensive for a long time. Games in Europe have been that expensive for yep. a long time. We're just now starting to feel the pinch that everyone else has felt for and a And I still remember buying Fantasy Star 4 for $99.99. There were N64 cartridges out that to were $150 today. Games were very expensive. Like, yeah. getting an NES game was like... An investment. That was for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it like, was. That was it. And you better pick wisely. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason all those video game magazines were so popular, because you, you, you needed to find a way to be informed. It was worth spending five bucks yeah. a month to... Save yourself sixty, or seventy. Renting stuff at Blockbuster all the time because you didn't yeah. know, like yep. it was, you know, you it's were true. stuck with these things, yeah. or you could beat them in five minutes, and there, there was your yeah, there, there was your, all your money. There was your fifty nine ninety nine in in nineteen eighty nine money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that was pretty much it for the Ubisoft forward. So you were not impressed by it, generally. Not particularly, no. Yeah, I still don't really understand Skull and Bones, like. Yeah, I mean, it really is just Black Flag without the without on, the on foot, foot stuff, stuff, which makes yeah. me. I mean, I like the ship combat in that, but it also feels like I don't know. Like, what am I going to do in that? I game? do wonder because it's like you always had a reprieve from one or the other in the Assassin's Creed games. It's like yeah. I'm tired of the on foot stuff. Now I can hit the high seas. Oh, now I'm sick of this stuff. I can go back on land 
Now you have no choice. And they're selling that game for 70 bucks too, which is a little yeah. eyebrow raising. Especially for something that was originally free to play right. multiplayer. I, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know, like it's going to be interesting to see what that turns yeah. out to be. I mean, look, if you're just I would not recommend somebody goes out and pre-orders that game no, right now. No, but yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're sailing around blowing stuff up and you got a home base you're upgrading and you walk around, like, you know, that could probably keep me entertained for a while. But at the same time, I just... It's hard to gauge how multiplayer, you know, because it's like PvPVE, mm-hmm. kind of PvEPVEPVP, <laughs> whatever they said it. It's it. complicated. And it's yeah. just like you can turn off the PvP and just do PvE, but you also can kind of PvE with the PvP, have a PvEPVVP. And so it's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know what the game is. Is there a story? It seems to be a story. Seems yeah. To be some kind of story. Well, you are, the story is you're trying right. to become but I wonder, the, I worry the there's going to be like a, like a division seat. thing where it's just like, here's the premise, go do the starting mission. Okay, there you go. There's the world. And I'm just like, that doesn't interest me. Yeah. Like, I, I want a little more. I have a feeling that's probably it, it's how it's going to be. Suspicion. We'll see. Would, would go that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'd give this, this uh, forward probably a C. Yeah, I'm I'm like a C minus. I wasn't plus. as disappointed by the Assassin's Creed stuff. I agree with you that they could have shown more and it would have been a lot more exciting. Um, but I think UB does tend to shade its presentations towards mm-hmm. the casual guy. They slow, Thus, they slow the laser roll tag in a way that just isn't the dance numbers. It's not useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. The best thing about the Assassin's Creed thing, I think, was the, the 15th anniversary oh, like, yeah, montage that, that thing, was which really showed good. all the cosplayers. Well, they put out a documentary about it. All the characters. It was great. Yeah, it was good. You know what's interesting to me? This is a side note, but it's interesting to me is like the cos- that the cosplay, Assassin's Creed cosplay community is not more dedicated to original assassins. Like, like making your own assassin. Oh, right. As opposed to dressing up like the existing one. Yeah. I, I always figured that that would be like, a, oh, you pick like the time period of history or the, the culture you're interested in and you design an assassin outfit for that and that's your costume. Yeah. But it tends to be more dressing as the existing characters. Which yeah. I thought was which are surprising. really, even for someone like us who's played all the games, can be hard to tell the difference. Between. Every once in a while, it's just like, is that Edward Kenway right. or is it is exactly? It, is it? I do that too. Yeah, like there's there's a there's that period that that 1700s stretch yeah. where you're like, you could be anybody. any of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless you're Haytham, I'm not going to really right, know. right. Yep. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's the blueprint for Assassin's Creed for probably the next three or four years, yeah. really. Um, that's yeah. quite a run. So I do feel good knowing what's coming. Mm-hmm. Of all the projects that they showed, the Hexi, Hexa, or whatever, is the one I'm most intrigued by. One, because it is by the OG developers of the franchise. And two, just it's so different from anything that they've done before for the mm-hmm. franchise. So I'm I mean, probably most excited for the OG developers. It's well, there aren't many of those what left. remains of the right. team that yeah. maybe knew the people <laughs> who made the original game. There's yeah. probably a few people left. I there. don't know who they'd be. Yeah, like this, that was a long junior time people ago. when they first started on the yeah, franchise. Yeah, the guy who got Jade Raymond her coffee <laughs> yeah, is probably is now, like a lead designer right. now. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah, they were around when, <laughs> yeah. when people were coming up with stuff. Yeah, it's like, like 35-year-olds like, I remember That's 15, pretty, 16 year ago. That is pretty freaky to think about. Yeah. That Like the 37-year-old on that team now could have worked with Jade when they were like 21. Yeah. Where's the time gone? Um, so anyway, that is Ubisoft Forward for 2022. Basically, it's E3 yeah. 2022. I think we, can we presser. declare the Prince of Persia remake dead at this point? Can we? 
I we need like, like some kind of a thing that we do on the show where we just like put a rubber stamp yeah, down or tie something. a toe on, a, on a, tie a tag on a toe or something. doa yeah. or toe tag or something yeah, like that i don't think i mean the i toe tag i game. do beyond good and evil is being worked on it's right it it's is, in there but somewhere. i also feel like it's right on the fringe there well i think it was killed to some degree but yeah. then i think they went back like skull and bones were like okay we just need to revive revive these like we need stuff to release stuff that can be done in less than a normal dev cycle yeah um but prince of persia i think that's gone i think it is especially since i think i think it's the the new one of the the new paid costume thing for uh with along with the last valhalla thing is a prince of persia theme thing or maybe that was hmm. mirage there was a there was a, a dlc there's something related thing to with prince of persia prince themed of persia. stuff i can't yeah. remember what it was um, maybe all we get going forward yeah i mean the franchise is dead it was replaced by assassin's creed yeah let's just be honest yeah, it it's been that way for a while i would have played that sands of time remake i would have been oh yeah me happy too to it's a great game that. still yeah. a great game still innovative yeah. After yeah. all this time. Yeah. Hell, you could just remaster it. Yeah. And call it a day. Yeah. And I would still play. I would still play. I still pay 20 bucks for that, I Me bet. too. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Let's move on. We Maybe hinted. Maybe not the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> we hinted a minute ago about $70 games and one $70 game that is, is rankling Steph a little bit. Um, and that game is The Last of Us Part 1. A remaster remake of The Last of Us for PlayStation 5 and PC. As of right now, it's only available for PS5. The PC version is coming at a later date that they still haven't announced, which I mm-hmm. feel is strange. Um, but PS5 version is what I've been playing. You've been playing it as well. How far have you got in the game? I think that's important to talk about at the beginning. Oh, um, I can pass the bill stuff. I haven't been focusing too much on it because it is just the, the same, same game. Yeah, it's just you know as long as long as you get to see what everything looks like now, that's the big change. And there's some there's some little AI tweaks that are there. Um, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, the work that they did on the AI. It's definitely, it's definitely different. Uh, I do think it's an improvement. You just come down to the whole seventy dollar price tag again. Um, is better. It's better. It's the best version of the definitely. game. Absolutely. Yes. If you have never played The Last of Us One, this, this is, is the how one you to should play. play. Yep, absolutely. Even though it is seventy dollars, like the the big pluses are the the tweaks to the AI, both ally and enemy, uh, that makes it better. You know, it makes a lot of it better, um, or at least less ridiculous. Like you don't have <laughs> Ellie and Bill running in front of the zombies all the time anymore. It still happens. It still happens a little bit, but it's less. Like there's there's not as obnoxious in the original and the remaster. There are moments where like they're just like I've seen Bill like literally run into a clicker and yeah. just like kind of. They just spin around, around him. Like spin around him like a blind. Or human enemies too. I've seen yeah. them just run right in front um, of them, but it's nowhere near as bad. No, no, as it's much, the original much version. The original version of the game that literally ruined the game. No, you me. could you could slap the Benny Hill theme yeah. on some on some <laughs> on some of those. It's it's uh, it was ridiculous. It, they did improve it. Yeah. It's not perfect, uh, but it's and better. And some of the like the human a- the human enemies like take cover better. Like Mark too. Yeah, you know, they take smarter. cover better. They're smarter. They don't, they're less likely to just run at you, which also makes it a little less frustrating because one of the problems in the original was like. If more than two humans are running at you, you're probably going to get hurt or killed yeah. because they are very hard to hit. Like, yeah. Um, you know, it, I, so I think that it was an improvement. Uh, the vis- you know, that's the first thing. The visuals are the other thing. The visuals are a complete drastic. Cl- yeah. that, you know, clearly the ground up remake is, is in play there for that more than anything else. Um, the environments are amazing. The facial, I mean, just the prologue. You know, everyone's seen the prologue however many times. Mm-hmm. I've played this game, what, like four times? Yeah. The prologue, like, gets me all over again because the facial acting is so different and so bet way better. Bad. So, you know, they're capturing what was done in that facial capture session in a way that the the previous versions just did not. 
and you know the thing with with stuff with his daughter is incredible. He and um and Tommy like look visibly younger. They do. Now. Like it's yeah. very the jump for twenty years later when you suddenly now see you Joel see Fu- it. You're like oh my god! Like that's a hundred twenty years. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, we it's, also it's, see the jump from this the beginning of this game to the Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. You really sure. see the age yeah. jump there. There's a lot going on there, and so that's you know, so the definitely the presentation and the the the, the storytelling and the, and all that is is definitely improved here. And the last thing is, of course, all the accessibility options that were never in the originals that are just sort of standard Naughty Dog, you know, fare now. So like, that's cool. Um, Sterling did point out that like it feels maybe to some people who have not been able to play these games because of accessibility options, it might feel a little bit like they've locked those accessibility options behind a seventy dollars paywall. Yeah, um, which is a fair point. Yeah, I do feel though like if you have if you couldn't play the previous games because of accessibility option problems. You probably have never bought the game before. Yeah. So here you go. Yeah. And if the seventy dollar price tag is too high, just wait. Yeah. Like there's there's no rush on this game. You know. There really there's is. There's no multiplayer to go away or shut down. There's no servers to shut down. This thing will be thirty twenty bucks in a couple of years, and you can pick that up whenever yeah. you want, and that'll be great. Like it's great. It's great. Is it seventy dollars worth if you already have it twice? No. It's not. I mean, I bought it because I, I, I wanted because I wanted the Firefly With my own edition. Money I bought the Firefly edition yeah. for hundred bucks because I like I wanted the collector's thing. Yeah. Um. And luckily, I was not one of the people who got it shipped in an envelope and had it stepped on by UPS people. Oh lord! It's a hundred dollar collector's edition, Sony. Put it in a box. What are you doing? Yeah, that's a little weird. Mine was in a box and padded very nicely, but some people had theirs show up basically destroyed. Wow. And Sony had Sony basically said we'll replace all the damaged ones with new ones. Um, but you know what would make that not happen? Uh, packaging them properly in the first place. Like yeah. I, I don't understand some of these companies. And Sony's certainly not the only one that does it. I don't understand these these companies that have these premium limited edition collector's editions of things and do not pack them as such. Yeah. I had forgotten the bulk of the beginning of this game. Mm-hmm. So when I first started playing it, I enjoyed it a lot. Because my for whatever reason, the first like four or five hours of this game, I had just like blocked out of my memory well, it's a slow burn you forget about how long you stay, stay with tests and right. like how that all how that all kind of works out and the the little glimpses you get of how sort of life works in boston mm-hmm. and their smuggling operation and all that stuff yep. um I also like how they changed Tess's. Tess looks a little more age appropriate for Joel. Now. Yeah, she, yeah. She looks more like she's in her forties, right? Yeah, as opposed to like Joel fishing off the the teenager peer. <laughs> like, you know, like there's there's an element of that. This is like okay, because Joel's like got to be pushing fifty in this game. Well, hey, after watching the new Game of Thrones show, I don't think anything will ever offend me. True. <laughs> Because there's uh, like thirteen year olds having sex in the new Game of Thrones. It's I like mean, welcome to medieval times. I yeah. Um, or certain states in the union um <laughs> it's true don't look up what alabama's age of consent is folks, <laughs> what they're pushing you, for if yeah. you want to have a good day exactly um, but so the first like five hours of this game like it felt like i was kind of playing it all again yeah there's an element also and there's then an element of that. there was a moment where i started remembering right. everything also there's an element of that with like the people she took I like that the people she talks to now look like real people. Yeah, they're not. You know, the, 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 that's one of the one of Naughty Dog's strengths in the modern day, um, especially Uncharted Four and Last of Us Two. Is mm-hmm. you can't tell who the main characters are by looking at them most of the time. Like, yeah, everybody looks like in their own person with some kind of life to them, and like some, you know, like because they're looking for who are they looking for in this? Um, that guy, the guy who screws them over. 
like in this specific in this whole part. Se- yeah, the- yeah, this whole se- you're looking for the guy who, who Bob isn't that his name? No, not Bob. Is it? Is it Bob? I think so. I thought he was a better performer. His performance was better in this one just because they got more of expressions out of him, and it felt like grosser that Tess like guns him down in cold blood. Right. Um. It it kind of, not that like I dislike Tess because of it, but because but it felt like. Um, it felt it got across how horrible the world is. Yeah. It got across like, oh, this is just daily life for these people. It's yeah. just, it's you know, it's less of a surprise maybe when you find out later in the game that that Joel knows about how hunters, you know, hunt people who are hunting humans mm-hmm. work because he used to be one. Right. Yeah. Um you know, drives home kind of the idea, you know, some just through performance and portrayal, even though none of the dialogue or any of the scenes are changed. It feels a little more visceral, and also it's using it's using the 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 you know the, the violence and the, the 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 gore physics and stuff of the second game. Yep. And like you know, I which I it's noticed. It's stunning. I mean, oh yeah. Visually, I, it's stunning. And like, I noticed. Just look at sure, that shot. Like, you know, you just kill one guy. <laughs> you know, I shot a guy in the head, and and uh, as you know, during this sequence, and as I'm walking by, you just see all the blood like pooling out of his head as I walk past, like kind of out on the on the ground and flowing down like along along the the flagstones of the of the ground of the cement he's on. And I'm just like, man, that's so I mean oh, it's I gross, noticed, but it's like it's so well done. It's, I noticed Joel. So a couple days ago I had just let the game sit. I was talking to my wife or whatever and I looked up and his arm was bleeding mm-hmm. and the blood was coming out through in pulses like soiling the shirt and running down his arm Mm -hmm. and i just stood there and just looked at it for like 90 seconds watching his arm bleeding with his heartbeat like visually it's amazing although i will say this at the same time i'm it's a little disheartening because i do feel like which how are you playing this matt are you playing it in fidelity mode or are you playing it in performance mode performance so i'm playing it in fidelity mode and all this b-roll you're seeing is in fidelity mode and it's stunning it's jaw dropping the frame rate buckles all Mm. the time if i walk from inside to outside it gets jittery like every single Mm. time I mean, that's that's fidelity, which makes me realize, though, that this is kind of the limit of what we're going to get on PS5. Like if Naughty Dog can't push more Uh, out of it, this is the limit of what you're going to get out of this engine. You think so? Unreal 5 is already doing better than this. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Because I was disappointed. I'm like, it looks great. But if this is all Naughty Dog's going to get out of it. This is what you're going to get out of this engine in this in this version in this form, because you're going to they're obviously not going to like make a whole. You know, this was kind of a cheap project. It was just it was a interim project to keep this team sort of with something to do until the next big thing came along i hope you're right so i don't think i don't think this is the limit by at all in any respect i think you're just looking at the limit of what their tech that they had to kind of work with without any more jumps is going to do in the same way that like you know you could have said that about uncharted 4 but then last of us 2 came out you know Mm -hmm. like they've always got more up their sleeve i hope that's true um I'm playing on performance mode and it's it's rock solid 60, you know, yeah. and it doesn't look, it doesn't look that different. Yeah, I, I, I spent some time. Um, um, I can't remember anyone's name for some reason. The head of the fireflies. Um, oh, when you the meet, black girl. Yeah. When you meet her and she's leading you, I, I spent some time just staring at her hood on her. Hoodie. Yeah. Like her hoodie. The hood on her hoodie is just swaying back and forth as she walks, like, perfectly. It's just the details on There's this, some it, crazy it, stuff in this, like, to be sure. Just the way the backpacks move uh-huh. and compress. And yep. it's 
Like I, because I remember in the old game, like on the PS3, when like it was just the straps were kind of part of the thing, and it's sort of like that. And now the straps move with their uh-huh. body, and this is, I mean, the detail on that. And it's little things. It doesn't affect gameplay. It doesn't make the game any better, you know, to play or anything. But it's just those little things that make it a believable um, world and yeah. a belie- believable people, and makes it hard, you know, because. I also did do like that killing people in this game still retains that feeling of like that they're real people and like it's a bad thing to be doing. Well, they with, say with, things when they you're do say things, down. They, but but they do it I think better than um um the, uh, the one of the things that I does bug me about too is how kind of over the top some of the stuff is with like um everybody saying each other's name all the time. Right. Like, oh my yeah. God, they killed Dave. Right. Kind of it's just like, it, it okay, does, yeah, like, yeah, I know little... everybody's a person. <laughs> I get it. But... Yeah. You're going to pay for what you did to Laura. It's just like, okay, you know, it's like, okay, he's up, he's up. But I played uh... this the first five hours. I forgot a lot of it. And then it, the more I started remembering it, the less I wanted to play it. Mm-hmm. Because it literally well, for me, it hasn't is been long enough. a moment by right. moment. It, for me, it hasn't been long enough since I played the remaster to want to play through this again fully yeah um, i don't think i'm gonna finish especially because this like this is i mean look last of us one i liked but i didn't love it mm-hmm. and then i liked the remaster okay and then i played two i was trying to replay one the remaster to prepare for two and i just didn't care i just like that and then i played forgotten. two this is almost like 90 percent a stealth game yeah and then I, that's another reason i'm not a super fan uh, then i played through uh two and i'm like man i want more of this but i don't want to replay two because i don't want to go through that again yeah um right away <laughs> not because i didn't like it but because it's a lot yeah so i went back to my game of this which was about i think i left off around the time he meets ellie hmm and kept playing that to kind of compare it, I've and I just well ended up finishing that. the whole thing. So, oh, got you. So, so I've, you know, so I just played through the remaster two years ago, and it's a little, still a little. It feels like review. Yeah, I, I can see that totally. Um, and I had forgotten that it is pretty much like ninety percent a stealth game. Yeah. Like the shooting is awkward and it's unwieldy and like. It's weird. It takes a while to get the hang of how the aim's yeah. working and the sway and everything. You can, you can mess with, like, you can run up and hit people with a brick and smack yeah. them. Like, you can do stuff, but, like, two just does it so much better. There's it's, a lot of trial and error in this, where yeah, if you get sure. caught, it's basically just instant game over. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten that about this game, that it's a stealth game. Like, there yeah. you can see. Look, he's just running around in front of that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, And I, I do appreciate that they made the, uh, the gathering items thing a little less hot. Yeah. like... He yeah. more grabs the actual items that are on the table as opposed to the original where he just sort of moves his arms back and forth yeah, and yeah. everything disappears. Yeah. It was always funny to me that this game was this game strove for such realism and, and, and detail and then the the animation for Joel picking stuff up was just like Yeah, he's like it was like the most like ridiculous Yeah, it was like he was spinning some platters while picking up scrap. Yeah. Robert. There's Robert, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I'd forgotten that, like, you know, the upgrade system is really pointless. Like, I don't really care if I upgrade most of the guns, because it's always, like, the stuff I don't want to upgrade. Yeah, it's, like, things, it's so incremental, it doesn't really matter. It's, like, the reload speed or whatever. I don't know why it annoys me that I have to watch him do the whole mod. Oh, right, when they're doing He's, like, I'm going to shave the the chamber down, I'm going to, like, polish the... I'm, like, just fucking... (laughs) Just make the... snap it together. (laughs) Fill the bar in a little bit and let me move on. Like, come on, I don't... I'm I'm glad you worked this hard on the animation, but let me go. Yeah. I guess, in general, I would say... And I've I've played a good bit of this. Like, I went way past the part where you, like, reu... Well, Mm. you actually... Not reunite, where you first meet Ellie. Um, I've played 10 hours of this, maybe a little more, probably, and not really interested in playing a lot more, but... What I have realized playing through this is that the 
it's not as good as I remembered it being. The actual game itself. Two is is better. Way better. As a game. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, still not bad. Which is like, like it's look, held I mean, up. look, good. Like, it should be. Yeah, yeah. Know? But visually, this game is still a stunner. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, it, it's still good. And it's, you know, it's absolutely worth playing this before you play two. Yeah. Um, I'd agree with that. I, I, uh, here we go. Like, pick, pick, that, <laughs> pick that stuff up like a real person, Joel. Well done. Good work. I like that. I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Um, and I've had fun with it. And if I hadn't played it before, I probably would be loving it. Oh, yeah. Like, to experience it for the first time like this would be amazing. Yeah. That would be great. So, look, if you have not played The Last of Us Part 1, or just The Last of Us, as it's been called up until like a month yeah. ago, um, this is undoubtedly where you should start. Oh, for sure. And I think you will love it if you haven't played it. But just remember, it is, it's a stealth game. Yeah. And if you don't like stealth games, you're probably not going to like it no matter how pretty it is. Yeah, it's, if, you, if you're into the story, it'll carry you through, even if you're not a huge stealth person, because I'm not. Yeah. But, like, otherwise, you better, you know, you better be ready. But you're bricks and bottles to distract guys and get them where you want them yeah. to go. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm using bricks and bottles to hit people in the head. Yeah, I use that, I do more, that too. I mean, I've, yeah. I've gotten way more aggressive in this game because of how two trained me to play. Right. And this game doesn't super support that, but it supports it enough, enough. that I got through. Like, I wanted to see Bill's Town and... And all the traps and the, that sequence, because that's one of my favorite parts of the game. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to see that and how it looked in this. And it looked, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, would you say people should spend 70 bucks on it? I mean, if you're a super diehard Last of Us fan, sure. Like, you probably already have it. Yeah. But if you're just sort of like, mm, like it, this thing's gonna, this thing's not gonna be seventy dollars forever. I don't think it'll and be seventy dollars all that long. And there's no there's no rush on yeah. this to me. I mean, like you know, this game's not gonna stop being sold. It's not a limited edition. It's not. There's no pre-order stuff that really matters. Yeah. There's no you know multiplayer mode that's gonna you know have the server server shut down. There's no online element that's gonna go away. Like just wait and you know pick it up one day if you're still interested. By the time. It's, you know, whatever you consider affordable, because one day this thing's going to be on PlayStation Plus, or it's going to be 10 bucks in a sale. Yeah. Like, it's all going to, you know... And this is the final version, and that's the lower third. That's what it's hinting at. This is the yeah. end of the line for the this first This is going to be the definitive yes. version of the... You, know, you can buy this and not worry that they're going to redo yeah, it again in another five years. Ever, like, you might get, like, a update for PlayStation 6 one day, but I don't think they're going to charge you money for that. Yeah. This, well, I think, maybe they might. I don't know. It's Sony. <laughs> I mean, you might I'm be a, 10 I'm bucks a, for I'll that. be honest. I'm surprised that they're charging seventy dollars for this. Um, I kind of understand what they're because, like, it is such a big game. Like, I mean, they can get it. They can get it, but also, like, like, I understand what they're doing in the sense that, like, it is still a boutique major. You know, one of their big flagship games, and they don't want to be seen kind of giving something of this quality away for cheaper, and then have the question of like, well, how come? This other game is so much more when you charge only this much, 40 bucks or whatever, for this best version of The Last of Us. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I understand what Sony's doing there. I think it's a little weird that people keep, keep blaming Naughty Dog for that. I don't think Naughty Dog doesn't set the prices for these things. Like, that's yeah. Sony. Like, you want to talk to Sony about that. Sneaky uh, also brings up that the remastered version of this game is free on PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Which I think proves to me that, like, they know... Right. What's going on there? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yep. it's like, hey, if you just want this, like, go ahead and play it. Yeah. Like, go ahead and try it. Like, yeah. Or if you want, like, this super high-end, you know, the 4K version, Ultra HD, you're going to have to pay for extra for that Blu-ray, and here we are. Yeah. You know, that's all. It's a, it's absolutely a luxury item of out of a luxury item yeah. <laughs> that you only need if you're a super hyper fan. Yeah. Otherwise, I would say wait for the price to drop to something you're comfortable with. But yeah. it is... 
the definitive version of the game. It is, yeah, as someone who's played that game three times, I noticed the difference in the performances and the, the quality of the facial animation. Absolutely. Like, watching these scenes is different now. Yeah. And, and really feels more, obviously feels more like the, like what they were, the performances these actors were turning in in the motion capture. Um, it's very noticeable to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do say if you like this game at all or have never played it, you absolutely should play this. But, but they have not changed anything no, in this game. No, it is the same game. Exactly the with same. Like, same mission of, objective, same yeah. area, same, same everything. Same story, same, moment same by moment, voice acting, all same, the same everything. Yep. It's just Pretty. better presented. And the AI's tweaked a little bit. Yeah. And it does make a difference. Not it as does. drastic as I would hope, but... I mean, but I even know, you know, even early on when you're fighting those guys going to, to find Robert, I noticed in that first area. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely noticed. Um... And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I mean, more. it's not like, oh, my God, it's a revolution. It's more like, okay, this is more like two, where mm-hmm. people behaved like people. Yeah. And not like, oh, my God, everybody knows exactly where you are and runs right at you. Right. Um, which I prefer. You know, that, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's better. Absolutely. Uh, the, the dumpsters still sort of feel like they don't weigh anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's not everything's perfect. Um, there's still a lot of little, still a little weirdness moving the moving the little board things on the water. And yeah, all that. So, and which is such a weird thing. A, the fact that they do it as often as they do, because there's a certain point where like they, he he and Ellie have been traveling for like a year almost. Yes, yeah. and I'm like, you never just like stopped and taught her to swim, right? Like yeah. just you found some place. Also, that there's was, no way a pallet is going to keep a 120 pound yeah. girl above the water. The whole I don't think it's she just was weird. Much, it's, it's an odd choice. <laughs> it is definitely. Um, and they kept it in there. Like again, the game is identical, other yeah. than the visuals and some AI tweaks. Yeah, level designs all the same. Boxes are all in the same place. Items are all in the same place. What about people who have already played through this? Would you recommend they buy it for oh, seventy yeah. bucks? Oh not, not. It depends how long it's been since you played the original. Yeah. Like again, if I, I played the original two years ago, I think it's been too. It's not a long enough time to replay something, especially something that's narrative focused. Yeah. Um, but like, if you haven't played since the original came out. Maybe. I mean, that was me. And uh, again, I was surprised that I did not remember a lot of the first like mm-hmm. act of the game. A lot of it felt new to me still because it had been. I mean, what's it been now? Nine years? Uh, yeah. 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 20, uh, June 2013. It's also was an eye opener to me of like how much my brain is not retaining of the games that I played. Because hmm. it's only been nine years and my brain had already kind of wiped out the opening of this game and then as it went on i remembered more and more and more about it and to the point where it almost became uncomfortable i was like okay mm-hmm. i know everything's gonna happen now um but well, also like the beginning of this game is outside of the pro you know the prologue with but when the outbreak happens is not particularly relevant to two so you wouldn't yeah. have been thinking about it It doesn't connect yeah yeah well like, everybody remembers the ending because yeah. it's and I, by the way i intentionally cut all of that out of this b-roll for you guys because the opening of the game is very spoilerific yeah. and it's also one of the places where you really notice the graphical difference it the is most. like yeah just the theater marquee and running around the town and the cars and yeah. the flame and i do regret i didn't really show good. some of that stuff in the b-roll but it's i think it's the i made the right decision because there's heavy yeah. spoiler stuff in that you want to see that even if you already know what happens, I think it's worth seeing it for the first time re- remade yeah. like, in front of you when you're actually playing. But uh, I did it. I have enjoyed it for the most part. I, again, also, the more I played it, the less I've enjoyed it. Also, on the on that that front uh, in the prologue, uh, when at the very beginning we play as Sarah, look at the mirrors. 
The yeah. mirrors are completely functional. The whole thing. I mean, I, I mirrors in games are very hard to do, and these might be the best mirrors I've ever seen. It's not even just the mirror. Look at the reflections in the water. Reflections are great. <laughs> like, it's really uh, insane. But, but it, the mirrors are impressive because you can see your character, and then like as you get closer, you look around. It's that thing where you can see this like through the side of the mirror, like uh -huh. reflect. You're like, how does that reflect them? It's over there. Uh -huh. like, you know, see, like in real life, you know. Yeah. And I was, you know, and the mirrors were not functional in the in the old game, the remaster or the original game. And I was just, there are still I just love that they did that. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that. Don't have reflections in the mirrors. Saints Row, yeah, didn't have reflections. Well, in the let's mirrors. not get into what, all the things Saints Row didn't do. <laughs> that could be a whole topic all on its own. Some, somewhere, Nate Druckmann is like, someone has mentioned Saints Row in the same breath as our games, and I'm insulted. <laughs> I would only recommend this for $70 for first-timers. If you've played You'll this recommend. game at all, even if it was nine years ago, I'd wait for it to drop a little bit. Like, I'd be cool paying 50 bucks for this, probably, having already played it. Yeah, I mean, I know it may take 40, a to 50 would have been a more, 40 to 50 would have been a more comfortable price, but I think Sony did this because they wanted to establish that our big, important, you know, boutique triple-a games are going to be 70 dollars. yeah they don't want to cheapen yeah yeah I, I understand why sony's done it but um, i would be as someone and if your response already, to that is to not buy it until it gets cheaper that is completely fair totally get it yep absolutely for sure yep so there you go that's the last of us part one again it's available now for playstation 5 for 70 bucks it's coming to pc still don't have a release date for that version though i don't know why it's taken so long I really thought PC and PS5 were, you know, pretty copacetic working together as far mm. as development's concerned, but maybe not. Maybe it's not as cut and dried as we thought. I think Sony's always going to want to release the the PlayStation version of things a little early, a little first, to make it feel like having the PlayStation is worth a little early access. Yeah. But I also would not be surprised if the reason this exists in the first place is largely because they wanted to do a PC version. And as long as they were doing a PC version, they might as well remake the whole thing. And as long as they're remaking the whole thing, they might as well put it on PS5. Yeah. I'm pretty, I, would, I would be not surprised at all if that was sort of the course of decision-making there. Yeah. Because they're releasing all this stuff on PS5. PS5, all original God of War, original Horizon, like you know, yeah, this is definitely in the wheelhouse, yeah. But you can't really release the remastered version on PC and call it okay because it's not up to snuff, yeah, even compared to stuff like God of War. Um, so you gotta do a pretty big overhaul, and as long as you're doing the overhaul, you might as well do PS5 too. I'm kind of excited to see what the PC folks do with this game. Oh god, it's gonna be horrible. Like, but it's gonna look good as they do it. It's gonna look good, but I mean some of the stuff you've seen them do with like Spider-Man right. yeah. like god knows what they're gonna replace Ellie with. Uh, you know, That like, part is not, I'm not excited for but some of the more, more creative ideas that they might do with this I'm, I would be excited to check out. So, mm -hmm. uh, But yeah, we have no date for the PC version yet. You just have to uh, hold on and uh, hang tight and uh, hopefully... By the end of the year, you think? Probably. That'd be my guess. November, December for PC, probably. Mm, I think next year sometime. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's The Last of Us Part 1. This year, I think we would have heard about it by now. That's probably true. Yeah, because we're in September. It needs to be announced soon to make it out this year, for sure. Yeah. If you make it to the end of September, it's not happening, without a doubt. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that we've actually talk, talked about a couple times in the last couple game phases. Um, and Nintendo, in that way, has done a very smart job of making sure the tail end of the marketing cycle for Splatoon 3 was timed very, very well to make sure that they were always giving us nuggets of information or something playable or whatever to make us keep talking about it. And here we are, the third and final time 
talking about Splatoon 3 on Game Face. I have been playing Thank the God. game. <laughs> Matt, I'm assuming you have not played this. No. No. I'm um, not paying that kind of money for I this. don't blame you. I, it's just not in the cards. And so I the already game... paid $100 for A Last of Us for the third time. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not paying 60 bucks for Splatoon. Yeah. Um, I'll, actually, Vincent brings up a good point. There is a state of play today. Oh, yeah. That's happening, I think, here at 3 o'clock, so pretty soon, actually. Although, but the Uncharted thing comes out in October. Right. I don't feel like there's really room for Last yeah. of Us on PC. Yeah, that's true. Q1, uh, anyway. though, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's talk about Splatoon 3. I've got review code from Nintendo, so I've been playing the final version. I've been playing all the different modes and options. Um, I did play the Splatfest beta that I talked about last time on Game Face, and so I'm not going to get into the multiplayer too much on this discussion today because I will say that pretty much everything that I said on the last episode about multiplayer, now that I've played the final version, has held true. I've still not managed to play three-team Turf War. Somehow, I just, I don't know if it's just not available yet or what, but I've not managed to. But I have been playing this, which is the single player campaign. And I, I hinted at this last time I discussed Splatoon 3 that it is like the campaigns in the first two games in that you basically get sent to tackle each level separately. You, where you're at right now is a hub, and this is like the beginning hub. Eventually you get another hub that's like snow covered, but the concept still works the same. You're basically in this hub, and you have to collect these eggs. And as you collect the eggs, when you play in the levels, when you go back to the hub, you can then use those eggs and this little fish critter sidekick that you have to clear this muck, kind of like Super Mario Sunshine. To clear the muck, that will open up new pathways in the hub that will then lead you to new levels that you can play. And that is sort of the gameplay loop that you follow throughout the campaign. Um, Again, this is like the tutorial area. Eventually you get to this area that's like all snow covered. And once you get there, there are basically six different levels that you can play. And then there are multiple stages inside each of those levels. I think I roughly did a count. It seemed like there was around 30 or 40 different stages that you can play. Um, and they're all pretty complex. They're not really like copy and paste. Like, oh, I played this one. Now I'm playing this other one and it feels the same. Uh, they do do a good job of mixing up things, and it is, for the most part, like a glorified way to learn how to play the game and prepare yourself to go online and play multiplayer. Um, there is a story behind the single-player campaign. Um, you're basically looking for... What was the name of it? It's called like a zap something. All the verbiage in this game is so weird. Um you can so once you get to the the hub world that's snow you can kind of choose your way through the campaign it's not like a rigid order you can choose how you want to spend those eggs to clear away the ooze however you want now the problem is i had problems figuring out whether the pathways that i was opening up were going to lead me to the next proper mission or it was going to lead me to a side mission that did not take me forward in the actual campaign but it does give you some latitude to kind of figure out how you want to play your way through the campaign. Uh, but basically, the, the creature that provides the power to your city has been stolen. And the, camp and the campaign, it's your job to rescue it. It's called like the something zapfish, the mega zapfish or something like that. Oh, it's the great zapfish. Um, the fish sidekick is used for more than just clearing away the ooze, though. You actually use them out in the levels as well. You can 
toss him like a grenade and he actually will attack enemies for you and then you can obviously finish them off with whatever weapon you're using um and again i think the variety is really good but it just doesn't feel like a coherent campaign there's not a lot of cinematics that like help the story move forward there's like one when it starts it sets everything up and then for the most part you just keep going jumping through the portals heading into each mission and playing it and there's not a lot of context that ties all the missions together unfortunately i mean this is your objective on every mission to get to the end and then save this thing i still don't even know what the hell that thing uh, is not a fish it's of some kind that yes. fish <laughs> yeah. it's not the zap fish it is it looks like a, a zap fish yeah Maybe the, it's not the it's great not the great zap, zap fish. fish yeah that's the overall arcing uh plot of the campaign is to save the great zap fish uh, but every mission you finish and then you come back to the overworld and now you've earned more eggs that you can then use to clear more of the ooze away to reach new part portions of the overworld. And that's pretty much how the single player campaign plays out. Um, again, it does do a pretty good job of preparing you for um, for multiplayer and some of the other options in the game. Here you're seeing me clearing the ooze with the the little fish sidekick and the eggs that I collected playing in the last level. And now there's a new pathway open and you cruise down and eventually you get to a point where you can play a new level. And sometimes there are multiple ones that you can select from. Like I said earlier about being able to have some agency over how you tackle the single player campaign. Um, the missions are pretty short. So I said there's like 40 missions total. It literally, like if you're good, you can get through most of them in like five or eight minutes or something like that. So if you actually add up all the time it takes to finish it it's not as much as you think i say 40 missions you're like whoa that sounds like a lot you can complete them really quickly you, you go through them pretty fast um and then as you once you get to that other snowbound hub world then you can start like upgrading as well you can upgrade both yourself with a very very simple skill tree or you can upgrade your fish sidekick and just a pro tip upgrade yourself don't upgrade the fish it doesn't help all that much the upgrades that you give your actual your playable character do make a bigger difference, though. Um, and that's pretty much it. There's boss fights. I only, I've only fought two bosses so far, and they're pretty good. The, I mean, as far as boss fights in Splatoon go, they're probably the best that I've seen so far. But again, like the first one you fight is a DJ, so it had very it had special, and he's like in a DJ booth, and you fight him, and you one of the you need to pull him out of his DJ booth, and then like knock him back into it. Uh, and the boss fights are pretty extensive. They That first one lasted me, I don't know, probably like 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, but in typical Nintendo fashion, once you hit it three times, they you finish it off. Uh, but there are boss fights. They don't add a whole lot of context to the actual story, really. Um, like when I beat the DJ, like you thought the great Zapfish was with him. And he's like, I don't have the great Zapfish. Oh, you have to keep looking. It's that type of stuff. So not really a great story, unfortunately. But it does ultimately help prepare you for the multiplayer, which is what most people play Splatoon for. But I do think that this time, people may find that they play the cooperative mode a lot more than they did in the past. And the biggest reason for that is because you can play it all the time. In Splatoon 2, it would only be online at very specific days and times. And if you didn't show up at those days and times, you couldn't play it. Now it's available 24 seven, and it's awesome. Like, I wish that it was available more in Splatoon 2. I would have played it more. So I had a blast playing this. And some of the concepts from the campaign do carry over here because you're also collecting eggs here. 
Um, and you can see like on the top left there, you have a timer, you have 100 seconds basically, and you have a quota for how many eggs you need to get into the basket before the timer runs out. So you go, there's waves of enemies, and with every like third wave, a boss will come. You see, I just took out that boss and now I have an egg. Now I'm going back to the basket to deposit the egg. And that's pretty much how it plays out. Once you hit your quota, They'll let you keep playing actually after you hit your quota because you do get bonus points if you go over your quota, if you end up depositing more <laughs> eggs than they ask for. And there are boss fights in this as well. There's like 13 or 14 different bosses in this in this mode called Sam Salmon Run. I should have said that earlier. I've had a lot of fun with this, honestly. In fact, I would say this might be the most fun that I've had with Splatoon 3. Um, and a lot of that was because I didn't get to play it as much as I wanted to in Splatoon 2 because of how they had it set up. And now it's just there all the time. And there's tons of people playing it. The matchmaking is like instantaneous. You're playing with three other players. I would argue that the cooperative part of it isn't all that extensive. If you die, you turn into like a little egg in a cart that you can slide around. And if you get to one of your teammates, they can revive you and get you back into the game. But otherwise, there's not a lot of like really intense cooperative mechanics that you use in this. That is one thing I would say I was a little bit disappointed in. But overall, I had a lot of fun playing it. Um, and it was a pleasant surprise for me, was playing through the cooperative stuff in this. And then it's the multiplayer. And like I said, my impressions of that haven't really changed all that much um, from when I talked to you guys about it last time. Um, I mostly spent my time playing Turf War. There are like three different modes that are available to play, but Turf War is what you play Splatoon for esports and things like that. It is the gold standard, the measuring stick, so to speak, for Splatoon. So I spent most of my time playing that. Um, probably the biggest thing was experiencing a lot of the new maps, and I love the new maps. Um, a general rule for me in Splatoon is the more complicated the maps are, the worse they are. The more nooks and crannies there are in this game, the worse the maps work because you end up getting caught in corners or people end up pulling in certain corners of the map and you have these big like throwdowns where you don't even know who killed you because everyone's just like attacking everybody at once. When the maps are more rectangular and straightforward like this one, like they're to me these are the best maps in Splatoon. You have like a front that you're fighting, but you can also flank and try to sneak around the sides. Um, and that is also where I feel like the, the spawning in this is important. So first of all, spawning is different in this. You blast off and you choose where you want to blast to on the map. But it also has the stuff that was in Splatoon 2 where you can go to the map screen and put the cursor over one of your teammates and then immediately teleport to wherever your teammate is. And that is where it starts to get strategic. Like if you start spawning on your teammates, you eliminate all the time that you're spending traveling to the other end of the map to get the fight on. And it allows you to be more strategic and flank and do things like that instead of just worrying about getting back into the fight. So generally, the maps that I've played so far, the new maps in Splatoon 3, I, I think have been great. And I do understand some people are like, if they're all rectangular, it gets boring. I, do, like, I don't think the maps are what you should rely on to make a shooter exciting. I feel like the shooting is what should make it exciting. And then strategy involved with the shooting is what should make shooters exciting to play. So... I thought the maps in this are really good. Um, some of the tweaks that they've made, like the two new moves that they've given, like I just have found myself basically doing those on accident for the most part. Like I rarely do them on purpose. Like I already felt like the vertical wall scaling was good enough in this and that's what one of the tweaks are. And then the other tweak in it is like a quick turnaround, like Resident Evil style, just quick spin, or spin turn. And I found myself hardly ever using that. The way I play the game, like 
I go under the ink and then I play it like a shooter, like I'm strafing. So I don't really need, I would rather have a smooth turn so I can pop up and shoot than to do this abrupt, like quick turnaround that they've given you with the new control options. So I wouldn't say I'm hooked on Splatoon multiplayer again. I do see myself probably playing it for another week, but if you've been reading reviews for this, they're pretty on. Like they're most of the reviews have been accurate. It really is hard to find differences in this unless you have played a lot of Splatoon. If you're just casual and maybe you played like the bait the free beta for Splatoon 2 for a couple of days and then maybe you picked it up again for Splatoon 3, you're going to struggle to find things other than new maps that really feel different. The new maps, the new specials. And I have come around a little bit on the specials now that I've learned how to use them. There's really good tutorials in this too. Um, there's tutorials that where you can just go and just practice with the new specials if you want. And that was great, a great feature and really important, a really important addition. Um, so the new moves don't make as big a difference. Um, the new maps to me make a big difference. And, but overall, I think most people are gonna be like, I feel like I've already played this game. And that's what most of the reviews are saying. And generally the reviews are accurate. You will struggle to figure out what's new with this other than the requisite, here's a bunch of new maps. Um, here's maybe some new ink colors that you can use um, if you're a, 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 on one team or another or whatever. But for the most part, it is the same game. It's still, I would say, a lot like The Last of Us Part One. It's the best version of Splatoon yet. So if you have not ever bought Splatoon or played Splatoon and your interest has been peaked, this is absolutely the one you want to buy. It is the best one. But again, if you're someone like me who's played Splatoon extensively through the first two games, there's not a lot of meat on the bone as far as new stuff and new features. It feels like the same game with a couple tweaks here and there. And it does feel like, I hate to say it, it does feel like all this stuff could have been DLC, Matt. Hmm. It just does. And the DLC for Splatoon the 2 has... The sequel could have been an email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll say this, like the, the DLC for Splatoon 2 was great. And it was almost all free and like... They do a great job supporting this franchise post-launch, but they could have just kept adding on to Splatoon 2. The visuals don't look any better, which, again, my law of diminishing returns with Switch games. This is another game that clearly illustrates that, that they've kind of got all they can get out of it at this point. Um, so the visuals aren't really better. Um, the gameplay is maybe a little better, and the maps are better. Um, so it is the best version of Splatoon yet. But if you played a ton of Splatoon 2, or even really Splatoon 1, I would struggle to tell you to buy this at full price. And as we all know, Nintendo's games do not drop in price all that rapidly. So you're going to be stuck with paying full price for this for quite a while if that's what you're interested in doing. So I would honestly recommend buying Splatoon 2. <laughs> you could probably find it for dirt cheap now, or at least cheaper. And you're really not missing that much from Splatoon 3, sadly. Um... Partic again, particularly if you're a noob and you haven't really played the franchise all that much. So, do you have any questions, Matt? Have, has anything I've said convinced you to maybe give it a go? Nope. 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 <laughs> and I, I kind of guess that because there are no major revelations in this no, this nothing, game, unfortunately. Nothing um, new here, really. Vincent asks, "Is it worth being the fastest-selling game ever in Japan?" Is that true? Yeah. That seems crazy. No, it's not. It's definitely not. I really... That's hard to believe. But, I mean, Japan does love, does love Splatoon. Everyone loves Splatoon. It's, like, become Nintendo's, like, fourth biggest franchise or third biggest franchise at this point. Yeah, like, I like the look. I like the characters. And so I just... It sure is not a thing I want to play. 
Hmm. I would watch like a Splatoon anime or something. <laughs> that may be coming. I wouldn't be surprised. And here you're seeing some of the customization stuff. And again, the clothing that you equip in this game matters. It, it gives you buffs. So I'll actually just pause it here before it goes away. Um, so you can see every piece of clothing, it gives you like an ability. And then there's others that get unlocked. So you can see that shirt right there, that try shred tee. It gives you the quick respawn feature, but then those three dots beneath it also become unlocked over time. And all I'm looking for, Matt, is that whatever will give me the ability to go under the ink without an icon. Mm. That, to me, is the biggest buff you can get in this game, is being able to slide under the ink without people seeing you coming. Um, and I have not got that yet. I have not unlocked it. But I will also add that like, you are at a disadvantage when you start playing this game because the other people are playing with clothing because you have like a hat, a shirt, and shoes. And all three of those things give you buffs. So when you first start playing, you'll have those things, but you only have one ability instead of all like four of them unlocked. And you're playing against people that have the best weapons unlocked, that have the best buffs unlocked. You do feel a little bit at a disadvantage when you jump in as a noob um, because I didn't jump into multiplayer on this until like the last couple days when I first got it. I played through the campaign and then I played the cooperative salmon run stuff. And then I jumped into multiplayer, and it appeared that I was in the minority there, and everybody else had jumped straight into multiplayer because they had all maxed out all their clothes and unlocked all their abilities in their clothes, and I had not. Uh Um, So I did get roughed up a little bit when I first started playing it, and then after like a day and a half, as I started getting some of my stuff unlocked, I started being able to hang and compete pretty well after a while. And the other thing I would say, Matt, is that the Joy-Cons are still kind of crap. Like, my Joy-Cons still, like, disconnect all the time. Hmm. Like, they're not as bad as, like, when I first got it, and, like, my right Joy-Con literally wouldn't connect at all, and I had to send it back and get it replaced. But, like, if I rest the Joy-Con... Like, I play this game with split Joy-Cons. Like, a Joy-Con in each hand. That's how I've always played Splatoon. That's how I excel at the game. If I rest the, the either Joy-Con in my lap while I'm playing, it starts getting shady and loses hmm. connection. And all it takes is, like a five frame disconnection and you're dead in any shooter. And this one is no different. So I don't know what they need to do with the IR, the whatever they're using to connect. Is it Bluetooth, do you think, that they're using for the Joy-Con? So. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's still not great. I like, use the, the Pro Controller and it's fine. Yeah, I see, I've tried to play this with the Pro Controller. I cannot. The way that I fine tune my aim. Like you have, so if you use a pro controller with this and you're trying to fine tune your aim, both sides of the controller have to move because you only have one gyro. Mm -hmm. If I'm playing with split Joy-Cons, I only have to adjust the aim with the right Joy-Con. The left, I don't have to do anything with. And so to me, it's a a huge advantage to play with split Joy-Cons in this game. And like I sit, I don't know, eight feet away from my TV and my Joy-Con are dropping. Like it's just unforgivable. Like I, Still, after all this time, and I've sent... My Joy-Con's been replaced, like, three times, by the way. Like, it's not like I'm using my launch units or the one that I got back when my launch unit didn't work the way it was supposed to. I am now on, like, my third right Joy-Con and my second left Joy-Con, and they still, they just don't connect great. So, that's annoying to me, and I hear you, you're right. Like, the Pro Controller, for whatever reason, the connection with that is so much better. I don't know why. Mm. I don't get it. Why is the tech in the Pro Controller better than what's in the Joy-Con. I don't know. Probably, but it, probably less crowded. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I did find it annoying. Um, and then, like, when I took the game back in the back bedroom, 
capture and I was sitting two feet away from the switch, I was owning. Hmm. Like, uh, suddenly, like, I was the top scorer in pretty much every game and blah, blah, blah. So uh, that's just maybe a me thing. I don't know. There's really nothing between me and the TV. It My switch does sit next to my Xbox Series X and my PS5, but they're both turned off. And so I don't think it's getting interference from those. It shouldn't matter. They should just work. So that's more of a complaint for me with Switch in general and not just Splatoon 3. But it really rears its ugly head for me in this because that is how I play Splatoon Online. And that's it for Splatoon 3. I don't know if you guys have any questions. A million miles away. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Uh, Vincent says it sold 3.45 million copies in three days. And that's the fastest selling game ever in Japan? a lot of copies it is but still interesting Andy T. Monahan says they just announced Tekken 8 they already announced that at um was that at uh, Evo they mentioned it at Evo yeah, yeah they I, I don't first... think they officially it wasn't called Tekken 8 at that but he's like yeah another one we're doing another one shock yeah. remember they had I don't the... mean to shock you but they, they ran the, the ending of the original Tekken and was just like here we go like, yeah with the <laughs> we, we watched that one a yeah. few times that was pretty goofy uh, but anyway, okay, Tekken 8. We kinda, I think we kind of knew that. Um, Lynn Jeff 99 I came in late. Does Splatoon have split-screen couch play? I guess are you asking for multiplayer? Or are you asking about the cooperative salmon run mode? Uh, multiplayer, I do not think it does. But I'll be honest with you, I did not dive into the options deep enough to answer that. So... That's my mistake. I probably should have dove into the menus a little more. I did not. I'll say this. I looked all through the menus. And, like, so you, there's a city in Splatoon. And you can run around to the various locations on foot if you want to. Or you can just hit, like, the X button and it just brings up a menu. They just automatically, and you can just choose from a menu that works you there. I'll say this. In all those menus, there's nothing about cooperative play in there. Um, but, again, I did not search the menus well enough to tell you definitively whether or not there is local couch co-op play. Um, oh, he says, I was wondering about multiplayer. I'm assuming not. I would also guess not. I would also say you probably don't want to play Splatoon multiplayer split screen. You really kind of need to get the whole lay of the land uh, to understand what's going on with the match to play strategically. So I think it might be a bad idea. But again, oh, I can't yeah. promise you whether it's included. There is no split screen in Splatoon 3. Okay, there you go. Um, Thank you, you can play couch co-op with two different switches next to each other. Oh, so there's like LAN play, basically. Pretty much, yeah. But okay. Can, there is no split screen. Okay, thank you, Matt. So there you go. I did look through the menus pretty well and uh, did not see anything, so I kind of thought that was it, but I never want to say definitively unless I know, and I did not know that. So thank you. Um, any questions from you guys? I guess not. I asked Foreman. There's nothing in here. Again, we talked about this like the last three episodes, so you guys are probably burnt out on Splatoon at this point. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, there you go. That's Splatoon 3, and it's exclusive to Switch, and it is available right now. It just came out on Friday. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that Matt has been playing this week, a little game called Circus Electrique. Mm -hmm. um, it is one of the weirdest turn-based RPGs I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> it is a bizarre-looking um... game, to say the least, man. Mm -hmm. um, is it as bizarre as it looks? Uh, no. No? It is... Um... <laughs> It is surprisingly by not in places, <laughs> in fact. Um, so this is a game, uh, and this is Zen Zen Studios, the company that does Zen Pinball. 
Uh, this is their uh, not exactly a pedigree of RPG. No, not 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 <laughs> the usual thing. Uh, and in the interest of full disclosure, this game is written by uh, my friend and yours, Chris Baker. Yep. Um, he used to be. He used he, to work for Marvel on Marvel he, games. He was. Uh, he worked for Marvel games, like Marvel liaison between Marvel and the game developers. He, he was, was a good friend to have back in the oh day. Yeah, he was. He was PR at Lucas <laughs> he still Arts. Is a good friend he was PR have. for Lucas Arts for yep. a long time. Like a really good dude. Um, one of the nicest people in games. Uh, games. Yeah. Period. Um, and he wrote. He wrote this, and he also wrote uh, Operencia, which uh, came out a few years ago. That uh, kind of Ultima Underworld style uh, grid based kind of dungeon crawler. But yeah, um, so he did write this, and that's kind of why I gave it a shot because he was posting about it. And I'm like, okay, my friend wrote this, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing is pretty good. Like, it's, it's this, there's a story with full voice acting and, uh, you know, not really animation, but like, you know, like the kind of motion comic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe it is the first video game I have ever played that, it, that has included the word fop doodle. <laughs> Uh, clearly, I think I've heard that word before, though. Clearly, oh, it's real Victorian. Clearly, Chris did some Victorian slang research. <laughs> um, there's some there's some some zingers in this one, um, but it is it, it is um, kind of a steampunk clock punk Victorian Gothic <laughs> circus turn-based RPG board game would be sort of how I'd describe it. Yes, it's very bizarre. Um, so you, you you play, you more or less, the main character is, is a, a, a Amelia. She's a reporter for some paper in London, and she goes to report on this circus electrique uh, in London, which is conveniently run by her uncle, is the ringmaster, and he apparently there's a history thing there where he there was some accident that seems to have killed her mother and she blames him for it and he seems to accept responsibility for that and it blinded her pet lion no who just shows up it looks like at one point there's just she's got a lion with her named leonidas who's blind and just he sits on the sideline of conversations and growls a lot um and so and he turns on this like tower of power thing which you can actually see in the background there and when he does these automaton uh police people policemen start running around going kill 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 and start going crazy and trying to kill people and you have to fight them off with circus performers um and if you would like more of an explanation as to why that is true i don't have one for you (laughs) um so the game becomes um it's a balance between fighting these turn-based group battles, which resemble turn-based games of like past, but also uh, remind me a lot of stuff like Darkest Dungeon mm. in the way that's like four lined up and where you are in the four yeah. the four person lineup matters yep. in terms of where you can attack and what's going to attack you and sort of like all that stuff. So in here you see you can you can recruit new uh, circus performers from the train that brings new performers if you have the resources for it. And so the gimmick here is that to progress the story and progress things, you have to go out and explore London on this sort of board thing where you can move from space to space. And some of them are like decision spaces, which direction to go. Most of the spaces can only you can only go one way. So you're making a choice, like cut out another part of the board by going that direction. You can find treasure. You can find fights. So here's the thing. Every day, uh, 
of the game, a, a day ends after a fight. You get one fight per day, basically. Okay. And every day, you have to put on a circus performance as well. <laughs> so before you go out into London, you have to do this, where you assign different performers in your stable to the slots of the type of show you're going to put on. And you get various recipes, so, so to speak, for different shows. Huh. And they'll get along with different performers better, or they'll fit in different slots in the performance better, and you have to kind of do that because that determines how many stars you get, and then you assign those stars to the various the audience and uh you know money and stuff will basically get you determine like what you get as bonuses from the performance um so you have to set that up and um uh and so while you go out in the in the here's the london map where you go out and fight at the end of that fight not only will you have to kind of rest for a day um, but the circus performance will happen and you'll get graded on that and then you'll get the newspaper for the day which like reports on like what happened in the streets and how the circus performance went and what's happening elsewhere in the city and you can go through a bunch of spaces on the board as long as you don't get into a fight but if you you know the fight places are marked with a boxing glove there like, so that's mm -hmm. a fight whether you whether you want it to be or not there's others like the question mark things you usually have to make a decision and there's little icons that will tell you like there's there's a boxing glove there you'll get in a fight if you choose that icon that option if there's other ones that can give you loot or whatever um so as long as you don't get in a fight, you can keep exploring the board, but you're generally railroaded into having a fight at some point, and then the day ends and you have to kind of do it all over again. Um, the weird... And so there's obviously... There's there's different classes. So here, she's a fire... You know, uh, the, the girl in back there is a fire eater, so she does fire attacks. Obviously, the, the weightlifter does, like, you know, kind of tanky Heavy, stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the clown is sort of a versatile... He, he can do taunting but he can also do healing and then the the girl the with the whip there does electrical stuff and she's so she's harder to figure out how she works but she works well if you have weaknesses to uh electricity stuff and also she can break uh statuses which is a and then one of the big uh, elements is um um there's an affinity meter which has a specific meter a specific name um there's a the lot camera. happening on screen at it any given throws, time. It throws a lot at you. <laughs> yeah, man. At like, it's crap. just throwing system after system after system it's after system at you. And it even says, like, hey, if we overwhelmed you on this, go ahead and um, look at the, 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 the... It's all in this one little tutorial area. And oh. you go, go read all the entries again. But there's a, a thing is affection, is, or devotion is what it's called. And so that's kind of morale. Mm -hmm. And more, high devotion will give you bonus. So if you look at the text down there, you'll see a little blue number, like plus one and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's your devotion bonus. And the higher the devotion of the character, the more of a bonus you'll get. And if you can lower the devotion of an enemy to zero, they'll run away. Oh, okay. So you can actually end a fight early if you demoralize the enemy enough, um, which is an interesting mechanic. There's the... There's the, the um, newspaper that, yeah. that reflects all the things that happen and there are actual stories to read you can read the actual story about what happened if you want um so it, so the 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 combat is is interesting in that regard but it is very much like rock paper scissors but like that version of rock, rock paper scissors has like 14 things in it like one of them is right. like spock and yeah, like, you know, yeah. that kind of thing um a lot of stuff to keep track of like character interactions to keep track of you got to keep recruiting people and like you know figure out what those different 
um, what those different like classes matter for and whether you should put them in your fighting team or whether you should put them in your performance team and whether you should swap those once in a while because they do level up but level up slower and you get different um, uh, buildings in your park so like over there you can see like the sleeping tent and if you somebody gets really badly beat up because um, the clown actually does a pretty good job of keeping people healed. He has an automatic like morale boost where everybody gets some, some one character, gets, whoever gets the lowest health, I think gets seven hit points per round from him. And then he can do actual healing abilities. But like if someone gets really beat up, you can put them in the sleeping tent for a night and they'll get uh, a, a much oh, bigger recovery. Yeah. And you get more buildings in the, in the, in the, par, in the circus that kind of uh, help with that. Um, the weird thing is that like, so the the thing that's kind of not engaging me with this is well a I don't really care about circuses, um, <laughs> who does? But b <laughs> oh there you can see a series of choices. So I like, see the top one has the boxing glove that would be a fight, and then mm. the others are like like loot. Um, the weird thing here for me is that um, you are recruiting a team. Yeah, that thing at the bottom there with all the locks on it that eventually does unlock, and that can that's all your performers basically. Okay. Maybe I'm not far enough in the game, but none of those performers have personalities. There are not characters in the story. Hmm. They are just archetypes you have copies of. In They're all different people. They have different names and look different. And some of them even have different voices and lines, but they are not participants in the narrative. Your uh, Amelia is the... So at the end of the fight, she and her lion run out and celebrate with the team. Right. And you're supposed to be leading the team. But that team is never part of the story so hmm. far. At least so far. Maybe it changes later. I don't know. So you, it's it's weirdly disconnected. Like the, the, the performing and the fighting are involved entirely involved people that are not involved in the story. Weird. And... I find it very hard to care. Yeah, they're doing your, they're bidding for you. Ba- you're yeah. bidding for you, basically. But because they're all custom and they're all different and they're all hired and you can choose to hire or not hire, like especially once the tutorial ends, you can't really have anyone. It's almost like a Octopath Traveler thing. Like you can't count on any of these characters being there in a in a player's team, so none of them get to play oh, in the story a little bit. You know. Okay. Yeah. So they're there, and you get to know them as as fighters, and as you know, I know like what the various characters can do, and who I need to use for this, and who can delay this, and who uses this ability. But in terms of being characters in the story, they're not. It's not a thing. Mm-hmm. And I find that weirdly disconnecting. Yeah, I don't blame you at um, all. So it's very aesthetic driven. It's very... So if you like kind of a thinky turn-based system, especially in turn, if you like Darkest Dungeon but don't want it quite as unforgiving, this will fill that role. Um, it is hard. It does get... It, the difficulty does ramp. You got to start thinking about what the other character or the enemies can do and who to take care of first and who to use status, status effects on. Like, because they hit hard, pretty hard. Once the tutorial ends and you stop getting kind of the free defenses and misses, mm-hmm. like, they can take you apart if you're not huh. thinking, if you're not paying attention. Um, and you do have to adjust who you're taking with you and try to, like, you know, decide who you want to have you on your team and keep your team pretty balanced and check the train to make sure that there's not new classes you don't have. Because, you know, you want to have, uh, you know, kind of examples of all of them. Um, One thing I would say is it all looks the same. It does. It has. It, it's like there's very little, like, visual variance throughout the game. It is, but it's like, it's sort of, if you like the aesthetic, you're going to love it yeah. in that regard. But if it doesn't do anything for you, and I'm not a huge steampunk kind of... Per- steampunk circus Steampunk guy. circus per- <laughs> is not really my preferred mode, really. Um, Can't imagine there's too big of an audience for that, but... Probably not. <laughs> but um, 
but you know it's 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 cool that it exists it's cool that this is a thing like i've never seen anything quite like it in the sense of putting that aesthetic together with this type of gameplay yeah um and it's only twenty bucks. Uh, you know the price is right. Mm-hmm. I would say, but I it's it, available for everything. I think just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got it on Xbox. Um, so yeah, I am not in love with it. Um, I do you know I do think Chris did a good job in terms of the writing. Like I I get who the characters are right off the bat, and I know who they are, and I remember them, and I I mean, but like those aren't the characters I'm playing the game. Yeah, that's so weird. Which is very yeah. weird to me. At the very least, I'm like, how is the lion not getting more involved? I mean, eventually, maybe when... I don't know. I don't know who greenlit this. But I haven't gotten very far. You <laughs> might want to find a new job. I hate to say it. Like, it just... Um, I just... You look at it, you're like, who is this appealing to? I can see how, like, you'd see... Like, if you played the cards right on this, you could kind of pull a Bioshock audience. Yeah. Because, I mean, it has but, that vibe. But, but it's it's... It's equal parts interesting and off-putting, yeah. By nature of its subject right. matter, yeah. Um, and that's not its fault. Like you know, Circus Electric did not make people afraid of clowns, yeah. Poltergeist and it yeah. did that. <laughs> it sure did. Um, there is no mention of fears of clowns in psychological or psychiatric literature before the 1980s. Is that true? Yeah. Interesting. Poltergeist and it did that. Definitely poltergeist, man. Yeah. It made me afraid of clowns. That was the 80s created a, a new phobia. No, I have basically. gotten over it since. I'm not still afraid of clowns. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't care. I never cared about clowns one way yeah. or the other. I just don't understand. John Wayne Gacy might have created some fear of clowns. That was, well, I think I think John Wayne Gacy <laughs> was in part responsible for the 80s trend of making clowns scary. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think you're it. right. Yeah, I think it all started with him. There was something because there was a wholesome element to clowns before. You know, McDonald's yeah. didn't pick a clown because people no were reason. afraid of them. Yeah. Because everybody liked them. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> um, and the, look, this game does lean into that a little bit. Like the clowns are creepy and I think the game knows the clowns uh-huh. are creepy. Like they're kind of playing with that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, overall, I just was sort of like, okay, cool. Yeah. But, like, I don't... You would not recommend a purchase of 20 bucks. Um, I mean, I don't, yeah. A very I, specific person. There's a very specific person who sees this and is like, mine. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, like, that's cool. Or, again, I keep coming back to Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon is the closest comparison I have in terms of the actual turn-based combat. Yeah. And if you like that, if you like that sort of brain teaser of a how do I get out of this without getting completely ruined... This game will do that for you, yeah. Um, with a with a much more forgiving system than something like Darkest. It's not it's not nearly as punishing as that, but it gives you that same flavor, yeah. Um, and I like that, but like, I don't know, it just wore thin for me very quickly. Okay. Um, and moving around the map, the fact that every time you move and get into a fight, you have to then go back and do the damn. It looks like it's planning all, like, thing again. Text and menu it's all menus it. and text yeah. and stuff like that. And the other thing is, like, I don't know who what this was designed for, but I found it rather small text-wise. Like, I found reading near strength. Everybody's if you look at that B-roll, you'll see like people. Everybody's ability has like four or five lines. Yeah, of what yeah. It does it's just a lot of. And stuff after a while, screen. I'm like, what is it doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> and eventually, you get it and you understand. You, know, you learn the characters and stuff. But early on, and especially reading like a lot of the description and tooltip stuff, it's just a lot of small text that feels a little too small for a console game. Okay. Um, which you don't run into all that often. It'd probably be fine on a PC yeah. or a tablet. I don't know if it's on tablet. I don't know if it's on mobile. Yeah. It would probably work fine on mobile. Um, production value is good. Uh, gameplay, like, it, it's so stop and go with the board jumping back to planning the circus and then doing one battle and jumping back to the planning with the circus. And eventually you get to do more 
you know, there's more spaces to go to and it's not as battle, battle, battle. But the battles are, are constant. That's the meat of the game. And you're always going to go back and have to do the circus again. And I really didn't care after yeah. a while and sort of gravitated back to uh, The Last of Us. Last of Us and Assassin's <laughs> Creed and Steel Rising. Yeah. So, yeah. Which we talked about last episode as yeah. well. Yeah. I did play Steel Rising some more. Speaking of. Did automaton, it get any better? Um, I don't know if it got any better, but the, the levels past the um, where the, the, where the beta ended definitely sprawl out more and interconnect more and are bigger, more Dark Soulsy sort of mazes and okay. things. So level, there's you, a little more of that. Big and you get I mean, yeah. and Isaac, as I expect, you get you get like a grappling hook and you can kind of traverse the stuff differently than you did early on. So like it does open up and, and give you a little more. And there's reasons to go back to other previous levels and go up in the grappling hook and use the, the thing to break open the doors you couldn't open before. Right, right. Um, little so, Metroid. So there is some of that, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, all, all my complaints about how it's just sort of a mediocre combat system with a less than interesting, uh, story for the most part, uh, a lot of men talking in rooms more or less. <laughs> um, although I was impressed at, I don't know if impressed is the right word. Um, but there's a point, one of the characters in, uh, in the game is black uh -huh. and, you know, a, a wealthy black man in, uh, you know, revolutionary France is a little unusual. Right. Um, not a historical but yeah. it's yeah but at one point your character all, completely unprompted you, you i mean you pick the the dialogue but it just says the character's name and she's like it's like what is it like being a black man in france right now and like there's a whole anti-racism wow. bit about how he came was you know he, he was he escaped slavery he was born i think his father got him like a citizenship in france and he's wealthy so he can kind of avoid the, uh, the weird racist pogrom sort of stuff with, they do yeah. where they instantly imprison people because france was not france didn't go with the whole you're free if you step on french soil thing to maintain like kind of international relations with the u.s that basically if a slave came to france you were imprisoned oh and then let go when your master claimed you it was like, but like he basically was wealthy enough they to were avoid checked it all. baggage basically wow. right yeah. and so they addressed that in this little bit i'm like that came out of nowhere but it's kind of an interesting part of history that you don't hear about and they sort of tackled it head on you learned something right there and i was like that's cool <laughs> yeah like especially after greedfall kind of did a whole colonialism thing and never really addressed that right um yeah. it feels like maybe they learned something over yeah, yeah. Spiders somebody briefly. must have said something yeah and it made me wonder like mm, i wonder what greedfall 2 is gonna be <laughs> now that they seemed a little more aware yeah. of that sort of thing so that was interesting yeah um but overall it's just it, it's your impressions still are it's a it's a mediocre dark souls game um that probably does not have the combat systems to support it i will say that it has a lot of accessibility options that i wasn't aware of before there is a mode you can turn on that makes it so you do not lose your souls when oh, you die wow um you just kind of get you to throw yourself at things over and over again um mm -hmm. there it actually does make a pretty good argument for why an easy mode would work on a souls game yeah I like i right, do would. not it does not change you know you can play without that and if i hadn't known that was there by reading forums i would not have ever tried it yeah because i wouldn't have known what, what right it was there, there. Yeah. um and it did not change anything about the fucking game Go experience figure. for me like it, it wasn't any easier because there's another easy mode in there somewhere like it was fine like it yeah. didn't change. funny how that works yeah i yep. so yeah i thought that was cool like if yeah. you would if you would like if you're bad at dark souls games and think they're too hard uh this game lets you turn off the thing that makes dark souls games so hard which is that you lose your your money yeah like if you want to yeah. play a low stress dark souls clone here you go okay so if you're interested in that like it doesn't matter if you die, really. Right. You just, yeah. It's like any video game. You just yeah. go back and try it Checkpoint. again. Yeah. So if you like to do that, 
if you that's your sticking point with Souls games, unfortunately, there you go. The rest of the game isn't as good as <laughs> no, but it would. <laughs> I think it would be. It's a pretty good training wheels, yeah, kind of thing. That's a good maybe. point. Yeah. Um, also, it's really pretty. Like it is very nice looking for the most part, and like it is a visually imaginative thing, especially if you ignore Lies of P. Um, <laughs> You know, it's not their fault. This came out first. Yeah, this came first. <laughs> uh, the weapons are all really cool looking. You look really cool. All the outfits and arm, you know, all the clothes you can change around. Like you, I, I look like a badass all the time with the fans popping out of her arms, and she's got like a like basically like a revolutionary coat on and like a, a jaunty hat, and it's yeah. great. It looks great. It's it's cool. Um, again. I would have preferred to play a Greedfall Technomancer style game in this world rather than a Dark Souls game. Right. But it sure is nice to look at and there's some really cool environments and there's some really neat kind of French architecture tricks and they try uh, some new stuff. It so. does. It's 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 not boring. It's just I just don't think Do so you like it more than the first time you played it? I like it more now that I've kind of adjusted to it and I will say that we're going through the because you know the beta is saved is not carry over mm-hmm. so I had to play the parts I played all again. over again. But again I did that about half the time because I knew the weird foibles of the combat I knew the ins and outs and I knew the bugs I might run into. Uh, there are a couple things that seem to be tweaked. A couple of the frustrating enemies don't do some of the spammy stuff they did as bad anymore and I was able to get behind them and not get hit by weird hit, hit boxes anymore. So maybe that beta did do some good yeah i mean that's what it's um, for i also i will say that i ordered a copy from amazon uh, a physical copy from amazon and um i got the beta code the day it came out <laughs> the, which is the day after the beta ended right. so thank you amazon for that one that was, that was very helpful <laughs> well well i'm glad you slid that in there still still rising yeah a little better than what your first a little impression. better uh accessibility options definitely a plus that i didn't know about before um yeah, if you if you want something that, that shows you what an easy mode could look like in a Dark Souls game, I think that's a pretty good one. Okay, so awesome. hey, give it a shot. All right, maybe not for sixty bucks, seventy bucks, I guess. Ooh, no, it's sixty. It's still sixty bucks. They're doing sixty bucks. Okay, the Amazon physical copy was definitely for now. sixty bucks. <laughs> All yeah, right. for now. Now that Ubisoft broke the ga- <laughs> broke the dam open. Yeah, who but, knows? Uh, Even smaller studios like that may change. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. It's time to move on. We're going to talk next about a game that neither Matt nor I had the time to uh, play this week. And it's ironic that we're talking about it today because Pikmin 4 was just announced today. It is a Pikmin-influenced platformer called Tinykin. And Vincent has jumped on it and played it for us. And here is his report. Ages. My beautiful planet, shining with life, the home planet of humanity, according to what they teach in school. Nowadays, I'm the one teaching. All right, everyone, I'm here with Vincent Borchardt. He has been playing a game that Matt and I did not have enough time to get around to. The game is called Tinykin, and the name sounds familiar for a good reason. If you're trying to connect the dots and you're like, that sounds kind of like Pikmin, that's for a very good reason, isn't it, Vincent? Yeah, it's somehow like Pikmin-like to become my niche on the, in my segments. Like I did <laughs> Pikmin 3 Remaster, I did The Wild at Heart, now I'm doing this. Yeah, <laughs> this is your third one, actually. And, and, yeah. and look, if Nintendo isn't willing to give us new Pikmin games, at least some of these other studios are starting to pick up the slack, right? Yeah, though they're a lot, a lot more different than Pikmin than you might realize. They're all trying to take different spins on the basic formula of you control a bunch of min- minions and have them do stuff. Yeah, and also there's the Nino Cooney franchise, which kind of incorporates mm-hmm. some of those ideas as well. How does this game, 
tackle the Pikmin influence, though? How does it work? It's a collectathon platformer, and it's a lot more that than the Pikmin stuff, actually. You explore a world, and you platform around it, and the Pikmin are basically your tools to do the, some of the tasks in the world. So they're kind of like, you use them in context-sensitive in environments? Is that how they work? Or can yeah, you just use them whenever of. you want? There's five different types of Pikmin. The Tinykins, What do they call them? They call them Tinykins? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, so, with each niche, the purple ones are the closest to normal Pikmin. You throw them at stuff, move them, and they carry your stuff. Then there are the red ones that explode to destroy barriers and light lights and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The green ones, you make, like, a ladder for your character to climb up so you can get around the areas. Blue ones carry electrical current to solve puzzles, and yellow ones make ramps for the, with the purple things to carry stuff on. Okay, and then, so this is a, let's get this straight, first of all. This is a 2D platformer, not a 3D platformer. It's platform. a 3D platformer, but all the characters are 2D. Interesting. How does that work? I mean, it's like a Paper Mario or something. Okay. It's a 3D environment, it's just that the characters are all 2D, and they look like... They're not going purely as paper. It's more of just a stylistic choice, but it looks good. Do they play with the whole idea, like span, like span the camera around to show you that they're actually 2D, or do they just keep Other them than sideways like a the few whole time? jokes, not really. No. They, it's all, all sideways. Like, there's one joke about how, like, I don't have a side, oh no. Oh. <laughs> That's not all I noticed. <laughs> but for the most part, they stay away from yeah. those kind of <laughs> ideas. Okay. Um, so it's a 3D platformer, so you move into the screen as you're playing the game. Um, generally in 3D platformers, you usually have a little agency in how you tackle, at least maybe not the overall game, but at least each level. Do you have a lot of freedom in this game to explore around? And if and if so, do you kind of stumble onto cases where you can use the different Pikmin in ways you didn't expect? Yeah, the whole point of this is that there are only a handful of like big levels and your goal is just to explore all around and do various things in them. So there are actually only like six levels. And one of those is kind of like part tutorial and part mini level. So Mm -hmm. like five main levels and like each of them has a main goal that you need to accomplish, but there's a bunch of other stuff around that you can do to just get other things. And now when you you say main goal, what, what generally are those? You're like this scientist on a far off planet full of humans. And then you discover, oh, humans actually weren't b- born here. And then you find that there's this other planet with a human signal on it. Spoilers, it's Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I and think we could have ca- figured that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you teleport to that area and you find, and you end up in a house that's like been overrun with bugs and stuff. Okay. And you're tiny. Oh, so this is a and, small person, big world video game. Yeah. Where you're just this, li- like, it, that's another theme for you. Remember, we, we tackled Grounded before. <laughs> the <laughs> big that was, uh, not, not for this, that was for Game Pass or Fail. Yeah, yeah but still. <laughs> and so then you're a you, small person in a big world, you find a house, and what happens yeah. at the house? Yeah, like, you, you're just, when you teleport, you don't, don't go completely smoothly, you just kind of crash down, and then one of the, like, main bugs find you and notices that you have a real affinity to the tinykin and then the main bug says like like this mythical deity arwind was making this machine that could help you go beyond the house and he wants you to find all the parts for it 
Oh, okay. So, and then, like, in each of the five levels, there's a part that you get once you complete, like, the main thing that the bugs in that area want you to do. So, a little bit For like ex- Pikmin, you're kind of reconstructing your spaceship. Yeah. With parts that you find throughout the game, with the idea of then collecting all those parts, building your vehicle, and then leaving. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Very much like Pikmin, then. Yeah, though there's only, like, one part in each level instead of a bunch of them. Right. So, like, in the first level, you're in, like, the living room of the house. And the shield bugs, they can hear, like, some really soft music that they're, like, a sign from the gods. And your goal is to try and just give that to the masses by taking this round circular object, a CD, Mm -hmm. and taking it to the Duke to like the stereo and fixing the stereo so it'll run okay so everyone can hear the music <laughs> interesting so they yeah. play with that mechanic the you're the small guy in the big world thing like throughout yeah. the entire game yeah like what the best part of this game is just the world and how there's a lot of detail to it like you're climbing over pianos and the bugs have their own world that's built inside of things like in, in the first world there's a guitar laying on the ground and like if you go inside the guitar there's like a like a little like comedy club or like fancy restaurant something in there. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone play the guitar while you're inside it by any chance? I mean, when you're walking on the guitar, you can bounce on it and it makes a noise. Okay. Strings. <laughs> Are there humans in the game? Do you interact with like human beings at all? I mean, you're a human, and like from your world, there are humans. Okay. And to say more would be spoilers. And to say more <laughs> would be a spoiler. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, how do you control the Pikmin? Because that has been, I mean, you know, your mileage varies on this generally, person mm-hmm. by person, but some people like the way Pikmin controls. Some people do not like the way Pikmin controls. I kind of fall in the middle where I appreciate that it's something that's hard to accomplish, but I still don't feel like Nintendo has nailed it. How do they ha- manage that in this game? It's very simple. So first you you have to find all the Pikmin. So each room has its own, like, selection of tinykin mm-hmm. so they don't carry over from room to room you find them in like eggs or by breaking the cages with the red tinykins then like when you're just walking around you don't have to worry about them getting stuck on anything or anything like that mm-hmm. then when you come across something that interacts with them you just you like hold the button and then it'll automatically select the right type of tinykin you need and then oh it does just, interesting yeah and then you just throw them and that's pretty much it and do you feel like it works pretty well? Yeah, it's very simple. You don't need to, like, guess if something's interactable or not. You just do it, and that's pretty much all. <laughs> now, how are, are the how is the pathfinding in this? Because that was another problem that Pikmin and other games like it have had in the past. A lot of times, you'd end up with a few stragglers that you're leaving behind, and you'd end up losing Pikmin. Like, you'd end up ending the day in Pikmin... And you get that final count, and they'd be like, oh, a bunch of just died. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what do you mean they just died? And you would, didn't realize that you had left, like, a handful of Pikmin behind somewhere where they were unable to navigate around a turn or around an object on their own. How does that stuff work here? So if they're following you, they never get stuck. Okay. They just jump around even the stuff that doesn't make any sense. They just follow you wherever you go. Okay. Like, that's one of the other things is as you're platforming around, you also click, can, like, float in a soap bubble which is just how you well, not one of the ways you get around. And then you can grind on a soap bar. Is that like your double jump? You turn into a bubble or something? 
not, not as much a jump as you just float for a long period of time. But it you lets more you so, reach yeah. like platforms that are farther away and gives you a little bit of margin of error with your jumping, I guess. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah. Yeah, though you don't get any extra height from that part. Yeah. Okay. And um, then... Go ahead. If the Pikmin are carrying things, they have a specific path that's shown with arrows on the ground, and you have to clear the obstacles in a specific order, but they don't get lost other than that. And they're okay carrying the stuff back on their own? Yeah. Now, you only carry one object per level, or is there other stuff that they're actually collecting, but you just need the parts to your vehicle? So, like, you'll have other things, like... For side quests, you'll need to carry stuff. Like, one of the side quests in the first level is that one of the ants has, like, a, her child or something stuck inside the piano. So, you, first you got to f- find the missing key to the piano, which is being used as a table in the restaurant over on the other side of the level. <laughs> and then you bring that back to the piano, and then you go inside the piano, and then do a bit of platforming and breaking up some barriers, and then you find the kid, and then they give you a treasure. That's one of the side quests that's not directly related to the main quest okay what is the bulk of the game is it just platforming Mm -hmm. is the pikmin stuff one of the smaller elements of it what do you spend most of your time it's a -a collect-a-thon platformer like you're just so it is mostly platforming yeah you're exploring the level you you're collecting the pikmin from their eggs and stuff you're finding a bunch of pollen which are basically like the coins of the level Mm -hmm. there's like hundreds like a couple thousand in each level like i think the most was like 1600 in the first level wow and then like you need a thousand of them to wow go to the (laughs) yeah i mean you get them in bigger bunches i'm guessing you do but that's still a lot yeah then like if you get like 70 80 percent of the pollen in each level you bring it to a guy and he'll give you a new soap bubble so you can go farther places hmm what happens yeah, I, when you're platforming? What do the tiny kin do? So if you've jumped over like five platforms, how do they follow you and stay with you? They stay there for a while. Eventually, they'll come back to you. Like if you start throwing something, they'll come back to you immediately. So they just teleport to you? Yeah. As oh, far as I so can tell. Oh, so that's how they solve the pathfinding issue. Is that yeah, the, they just teleport. They don't try to actually navigate the environment like the Pikmin yeah. do in the Pikmin games. Yeah, it's probably smart. Honestly. Yeah. Especially if you're jumping all around. and mm-hmm. I think like they actually can, like, they're shown as like being able to fly a little. Oh, okay. So but, they do at least try to hide it with some animation here or there. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> like, I've, if you throw something at something and it's not what it is, you'll throw it and then they'll fly back to you a little, I guess. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> how is, well, since you are doing a lot of platforming, how are the platforming controls and what all abilities do you have? I'm assuming you have, like, a butt stomp, a double jump. Not really. No? You have the, you can jump, you can float with the soap bubble, you can, you can like, grind on a, a soap bar, which you can also do on various rails and threads and, like, sides of platforms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have those green Pikmin letting you climb up like a ladder where have solid ground. You can just climb up. Okay. And that's pretty much it. Wow. So the platforming controls are pretty simple. Yeah. There are a couple spots like in some of the later side quests where they push it a little. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that might be one of the harder parts of the game. Like I know one late game part, like you, you're grinding on a small piece of thread back and forth and you're trying to throw the red Pikmin to destroy something. Mm-hmm. That's hard that's mostly because i don't like using both the like rb to to grind and then r r trigger to throw at the same time but yeah yeah. it can be a little awkward (laughs) yeah (laughs) have you been enjoying your time with the game are you a fan of pikmin 
Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's a short, breezy experience. I only spent about six hours with it, and I did mostly everything. I think there's like one treasure I left. Mm -hmm. But you managed to rebuild your vehicle and get the heck out of Dodge? Yeah. So did it take you the full six hours to do that? Yeah, just go. that was pretty much completing it, mostly everything, taking my time. Okay, that's a pretty yeah. good length of time to play. Yeah. And this is, what platforms is this for, and how much does it cost? Uh, it's for everything. I want to say it's 25 bucks, okay. and it's on Game Pass. Oh, so you can get it, quote-unquote, for free on Game Pass yeah. if you're a subscriber. And then 25 yeah. bucks for everyone else. Would you pay the $25 for it if you didn't uh, have Game Pass? I would. I like it a lot. Yeah? It's just, it's it's short. you got to know what you're getting into. If you don't like Collect-a-Thon Platformer, this won't do anything to change your mind. Yeah, I mean, but otherwise, you have I like a thousand it. of the pollen to collect. <laughs> that's pretty, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, yeah. But you know what? A lot of other games, they just have more collectibles with lower numbers. But if you add them all up, they probably hit that number anyway. So it probably yeah. isn't all that out of the ordinary as mm -hmm. far as how much stuff you're collecting. And I always argue that argument about, oh, it's a collect-a-thon platformer. My argument with against that would always be that, yeah, sure, you're collecting stuff, but you're doing things to get to the places where <sighs> you need to do the collecting. So the to me, the collecting part was always just the means to the end. The most important part was what you were doing to get to those areas where you could then collect the things. But that's an yeah. argument from 1998, Vincent, that I used to make <laughs> back in the day when everybody yeah, like, said that all falling. 3D platformers were collect-a-thons. And I was like, no, 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 I do not agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, like there's a lot of pollen, though. I just mostly use it as if there's pollen here, that means I haven't been there yet. Because yeah. there are like the levels are big. There's only like the five, six of them, mm -hmm. but they're just big with a lot of stuff to do in them. Now, are they connected with a hub like the, say, the banjo games, or are they, or do you just teleport to each area? They're all connected in the same house. Like you can go from one to the next, and then there's like the like the main area where the the got, main bugs building his spaceship, and you can see all the treasures and stuff mm -hmm. that eventually connects to all of them once you complete the main goal of each level. But like like the tutorial level is a hallway, and you got to go from there to get to like three different areas, as you might expect from a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, so that's Tinykin. It is available for everything. It costs $25 if you buy it outright, or it is free right now on Game Pass. And Vincent, you, you recommend it for our viewers and our listeners to purchase, correct? Correct. Awesome. All right, well, thank you very much for playing Tinykin. We appreciate it, Vincent. You're welcome. A big thanks to Vincent for playing Tiny Kin. Um, certainly one of the more interesting platformers uh, that I've heard about for quite a while, so give it a look. Uh, we're going to finish off this episode of Game Face with one last topic. Another big event that happened over the last week. It was Disney's D23. For the longest time, these events really were just all about TV and film. Mm -hmm. But now that Disney is starting finally to get back into video yeah, games... Disney Interactive seems to be back again. Yeah. Again, again. They're, again, again, again. They're starting to participate in this stuff again, which is a good thing because we got some pretty big announcements out of this, not the least of which is we finally got a look at Amy Hennig's upcoming Marvel game. Not only did we get a look at it, we got a trailer for this thing, Matt, which, shocker... 
I mean, it does. It, honestly, this trailer is just like all CG. Yeah, there's not a whole. Lot <laughs> it's of not like the, here. there's nothing yeah. from the game actually in this trailer, but it is a Captain America in Black Panther game from Amy Hennig, one of the writers and the lead developers on the Uncharted franchise. It is set in Paris during World War II. The slogan for the game is Four Heroes, Two Worlds, One War. And it's an original story set in a unique Marvel universe. First of all, are you surprised that they've given Amy Hennig and team the latitude to create its own little universe in Marvel? No. In fact, that's what Marvel prefers to so do. So they're not that protective of that type of stuff then? The Marvel philosophy is that everything happened there's okay. in the multiverse. There's a, there's, a, there's a universe somewhere where everything happened. Okay. So it's just another multiverse. It's All just right. another, 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 it's another timeline. All right. Um, and they prefer to do that. All the games tend to take place in their own thing, just like Spider-Man. Because then they're off the hook for continuing yeah, you stuff. Don't have to con- you, know, you don't want to have to, have to connect to the stuff. films you or can, anything else. You can draw from the films as much as you want, and I'm sure they will. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to be beholden to any other continuity if you don't have to. So this is, pre- pre- I'm sure this is preferred by Amy Hennig as well. So she can just write her own story and, and yeah. not be tied down by anything. How, why, how do you think they came to have Captain America and Black Panther in this game? Um, I think it's just like they're the most popular characters I think, now. I think they're popular. I think they're an interesting pairing. and I They think, are, for and sure. And I think they have a, they have a similar uh, power set, so you can have them both sort of doing the same thing and not worry about, you know, it's not like a Superman-Batman thing. They're both basically peak human super soldiers. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's something worth exploring in the idea of Steve Rogers being a white man of his time, teaming up with a black man of the time. Yeah. Uh, who is... I uh, mean, obviously, World War II has fought over yeah, the Nazis, so... Who is T'Challa's grandfather in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the idea, you know, like there was segregated armed forces and kind of mixing in Wakanda in that realm. You know, you want to see how Steve reacts. Now, Steve Rogers being Captain America and a hero is probably going to react just fine. Um, there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot, but there's a lot of stuff in the, in the, the comics and the MCU have introduced the idea of Isaiah Washington, the original Captain America, black man who was experimented on, uh, which has a real ex- history in American history, obviously, with the Tuskegee experiment and such, um, who, where they perfected the formula, killed a bunch of the volunteers or, and or, you know, subjects. And uh, then use the final formula on Steve, the white guy who was going to be the real face of the Captain America program. So, and presumably the head of state of Wakanda is going to be aware of that. some of that. Who know? are these people here, Matt? Obviously, I know who two of them are. Who are the other two? Uh, one is one of the, she's one of the, on the right is, I can't remember her name, but she is one of the founding, I think one of the major founding members of basically the Wakanda secret, secret, um, Special Operations team, which becomes the Dora Milaje okay. later on. Mm-hmm. And the guy on the left, I can't remember. He's a, he's an American soldier. Um, I was wondering if it's maybe one of the people you were talking about. I thought he was Isaiah Washington at first, but I think he's got a different name. I, I saw his name, and it's a different name, and it's not him. Okay. But, um, yeah. So And then that's that's Steve, and uh, I can't remember T'Challa's grandfather's name, but he is, he is two Black Panthers before... T'Challa. Now here's there's the four heroes. What do you think are the two worlds? I think that might just be referring to the difference between America and Wakanda. Okay. I think Wakanda, because Wakanda is so isolationist, I think that might just be referring to the fact that these are two very two people from two very different cultures, two very, very okay. different worlds. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
I don't Interesting, think there, don't you think? I, I don't think there's a multiverse aspect there, but there could be. Who knows? You know, right. I'm not saying there isn't. But that you, mean, to, you mean with like the two worlds thing? Yeah, the two worlds thing to me says that these are just two very, very, very different men. I think that's what they're okay. going for. I think that makes sense. Um, we know who probably not, want very different things in Paris. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like God knows what Wakanda's doing there. Mm-hmm. Probably somebody's stealing vibranium again, or, or the Red Skull's doing some horrible, sh- you know, because Hydra's involved. Yeah, you know, I'm sure the Red Skull's involved in. Must somewhere. be absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to World War II with Captain America, there's gonna yeah. be some Red Skull <laughs> absolutely. Hydra stuff. Yeah. Um, interesting though, but we have no more information about it. My guess is this game doesn't come out till 2024, 2025. Uh, yeah, I would say that's probably fair. Because her team is also working on another Marvel game mm-hmm. that's a Star Wars game. Well, it's yeah, not Marvel, that's but not Marvel, Star Wars, Disney. But... So they're working on that plus this new Marvel game. It's a lot yeah. for a studio that out. just formed. And remember that, like, we've got other Marvel stuff coming. Uh, that Wolverine game, yeah. Isn't... He's in play. We should probably start hearing about that next year. Yeah, I was surprised. That is a bit of a spoiler for this topic, but it was not there. Were mm-hmm. you surprised that they didn't show Wolverine? No. No? No. They're, that's a long way out. Okay. Um, so anyway, an auspicious debut, I think we'll though. we'll see that next year. Anything from Amy, I'm all about. Oh, yeah, anything. So I'm pretty excited for this. Um, next up, we already... Maybe we could do a text adventure, and I'll pay 60 bucks <laughs> for it. I don't care. Next up, we kind of ruined this earlier in the show, but Marvel's Midnight Suns... Yep. is now coming out this year. So it was originally scheduled for this year. It was delayed into next year. And now mm-hmm. at D23, they announced that, in fact, it is coming this year again. Yeah, I have to assume this was to get away from the rest of Q1. And November. It's not coming in December either. Like, they're just barely getting it out. It's coming in November now. I thought it was December. I thought it was November, the new date. I thought it was I could December. be wrong. Somebody in a chat fact check us on that one. Um, <laughs> but... Holy crap. Have you ever seen... This has never happened before. I don't need to ask you. It's never happened that a game was delayed and then moved back to where it was before. <laughs> like, it's just unheard of. It just doesn't happen. I I think you're... I think we're right, yeah, though. It's December 2nd. It is December 2nd. So just into December. But I think we are right. I think they saw an opportunity and they're like, you know what? If mm-hmm. it's not 100% close, clean yeah, code, enough. like yeah. it's good enough because the amount of money we'll make putting it out in late November, early December versus in crazy yeah, Q1. Yeah, you'll would get buried. In yeah. And, it, you pu- and you push it too far beyond that. I don't think you can probably delay this out of, out of the fiscal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think barely getting it in before Christmas is probably the right move. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, pleasant surprise from D23 that this mm-hmm. game is now coming this year. And we'll have another game to talk about in December, which is awesome. We're going to need it uh, for those last couple episodes of Game Face before we leave for the holidays. So uh, there you go. December 2nd now for Marvel's Midnight Suns. Next up, Disney Illusion Island, which is a 2D cooperative platformer. And I believe it's like four-player co-op. Yeah. um, For Switch. It's exclusively for Switch. And it stars, obviously, Mickey Mouse and crew. Um. This harkens back a little bit to... Yeah, it seems, it seems to be in the vein of the 16-bit yeah. games. Yeah, it but definitely... Using, but using the modern look from the current shorts they do, which if you haven't seen the shorts that use this art style over the last 10 years or so, look that shit up on YouTube because they're crazy. 
Like really, Disney was. It's like I don't. There's some shorts in this that I don't know how they got to make them. Really, like, there's some stuff in this. This like series. This goes back 10, 10 some years or so. I had no idea. This all looked new to there's me. There's jokes in some of these shorts that I'm like, how did that get past Disney? Wow. Like there's some raunchy shit huh. in this. There's some violent stuff. <laughs> it's go. It's a throwback to the old stuff. But there's there's this there's an episode where there's one where that looks like of, a flash comic, like a web comic. It is a little bit. But there's one. There's one of the three of them. Changing change brains like change oh. minds like because like donald <laughs> wants to be famous and mickey's super famous uh, and like they all learn that they hate being each other so they have to like go back but there's also like body horror involved in it wow there's a whole thing where they there's a really hot day so they hide in an ice cream truck and the ice cream truck goes, like loses its parking brake and goes careening through the whole town and almost kills all these people while wow. they're like while they're like they're like cooling their asses off on ice <laughs> in the freezer inside the ice cream truck, what? and they're all re- the reactions they have to cooling off is <laughs> eyebrow raising. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you're just, I've never you're, even seen this art style before. Yeah, this this is a these like online shorts they did for, huh. for like going back about I think starting like 2010 or so. Wow, and. Um, some of them are amazing. Like they're all on YouTube. Just go look so them up. So this could be like a hidden gem here. Yeah, I'm like if they keep the same style of like humor in this, like this might shock some people wow. and how how good it is. Like that's good to hear. Um, Again, yeah. it's Disney Illusion Island, and it is four player cooperative platforming, which could be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is Switch exclusive. I'm not sure why. I mean, other than the obvious, you know. Switch's audience skews a little younger, but man, they could sell a lot more of this if they put it out for everything. And eventually, they probably yeah, will. I'm sure it will be on everything eventually. Yeah. Like, but it's a timed exclusive at least for Switch. Um, next up, Marvel World of Heroes. When was the last time you played Pokemon Go? Um, I don't know, like a year ago. Yeah, it's been even longer than that for me. I finally just uninstalled it from my phone i was like why do i still have this on my phone it's also become pretty bloated over time it's actually a pretty big file but anyway marvel world of heroes is being developed by niantic which is the developer behind pokemon Mm. go it also works very much like pokemon go it really just got the one game when it could just reskin yep (laughs) reskin what was it uh lord of the rings wasn't it was that Niantic that did that no, Pokemon was, Go clone? No, um, it was uh, the one before that they based it on. Ingress. Oh, oh Ingress. Yeah, yeah, that was the original. Yeah. And then Pokemon Go. And now this. One of the rings and then the Pikmin thing. And then they, they did a Harry Potter one, didn't they? Yeah. That's what it was. Harry Potter, not Lord of the Rings. That's what I was thinking. I'm sure I'm, they're probably a Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> well, this one is set in the Marvel Universe. And you literally go out in your neighborhood looking for Marvel villains to fight sure <laughs> uh, it says players can create their own unique superhero identity and origin story i don't know how that works the most notable you just pick from a bunch of options the, the most notable thing in that is that one of the characters has an x-men ability right that's a big deal you're right um players will need to patrol their neighborhoods to foil crimes complete superhero missions and thwart interdimensional threats as players level up, they will unlock equipment and abilities and will team up with Marvel superheroes such as Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America, and others to battle iconic supervillains and save the multiverse from cosmic and earthbound threats. Mm-hmm. So it's basically Pokemon Go, posed down in Marvel juice, mm-hmm. set in the multiverse. Yep. <laughs> I, do you think that's kind of interesting, though? 
I mean, I don't think I'll mess much with it. You don't it, think you I'm, will? No, I don't think. I don't. It's just going to be another grindy. It could piece be, of shit. but it like, could be fun going out in your neighborhood and trying to hunt down Marvel villains. Eh, no, mm, I, no, they're not fun to play. You're like, right. That's the problem. When it comes down to it, the combat always sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's just very rudimentary. Like the fun part of Pokemon Go was throwing the Pokeball. Yeah, and like, there's probably not going to be anything or just like being that. around other people who are doing it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a phenomenon, it. and that was part of it too. But like, yeah. I enjoyed throwing the Pokeball at stuff. Yeah, it passes the time, and it's fun to do in line at Disneyland or whatever. But like, this, like, I don't know what you're. I mean, what am I going to yeah. do? Like, draw hexes or something? I don't care. Like, yeah, I got plenty of Marvel stuff to play already. Um, Pharaoh Doll says Nanali, Gabriel Jonas, and Azuri are the other characters from okay. Gabriel Jonas. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Gabriel. Yep. Um, Vincent says, remember, Spider-Man 2 is before Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a good point. And one definitely won't, they won't be coming out at the same time. No, Wolverine's a few years away. Sneaky says, I'm so over multiverses. <laughs> I think you're I think you're not alone there. It's starting to get old. Um, Erebus asks, being divorced from the MCU is a major ding on Avengers. Do you think this could be a risk for Amy Hennig's game? No. Yeah, I don't either. Being divorced from the MCU wasn't the problem. Being a bad, yeah, that wasn't being, really. being, being a bad idea was the problem. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I just don't think uh, people. You know, Steve Rogers is the only character in there that we have a pre pre existing MCU uh, you know bias about. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it really. I mean, as long as Steve Rogers looks like a you know a blonde guy like I, or you know some random white dude, like I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, the other characters are all basically new to, to MCU people, so yeah. you know, I don't I don't think Gabriel Jones has been in in the MCU, or if he has, I forgot about it. Unless, and uh, the others definitely not outside of maybe the ancestor shots in Black Panthers, like Afterlife. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mostly you're working with whole cloth there. Yeah. And I don't think anyone cares what the Red Skull looks like or sounds like. So no, you know, he's been played by two people in the MCU already. So. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think that's a problem. Okay. Um, and then a couple smaller games. Uh, I worked out for Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a better way to do it. I don't think you want to be trying. Part of the problem with the Avengers game was it was so close to replicating the MCU lineup and the MCU idea. And it seems like they've learned not to do that. Because this, you know, that that game has almost nothing to do with the MCU yeah. premises. Uh, Wolverine is going to be its own thing. We're almost certainly not going to have a new Wolverine in the MCU before then. Because look, if you're expecting an X Men game, X Men movie before 2026, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, they're doing the multiverse saga first, and then they will do the mutant saga. I promise. Okay. Um, but I do think we will see Doctor Doom and Black Panther, too. I think Doctor Doom will show up in Wakanda forever. That's what I'm talking that about. Is my, that is my prediction. Okay. Uh, there's a couple more games. There's Disney Speedstorm, which is a kart racer set in the Mickey universe. Is that a thing? Or just the Disney universe, uh, I guess. It's just like a random Disney Pixar thing. Um, Tough sell on Switch with all the new DLC coming from Mario Kart 8, but on other platforms. Apparently it's free to play, though, I heard. It's free to play? I thought it was, which means it's probably just you know monetized to hell and back. Yeah, which whatever. Yeah. That stuff doesn't bother me that much. As long as I can compete without having to spend money, I'm cool. Yeah. My well, my problem has always been with stuff like that. Is like if you let me just buy the character I want to play, fine. But if you're gonna yeah. make me like roulette for it, I'm out. Yeah. Like you just like, I want to play whoever this is, and you just let me get it. Fine. Yeah. I'll give you some money for that. But I'm not gonna play your freaking lottery. Yeah. You know, just yeah, to get yeah. the one character I want. I agree. I agree. And then finally, there's a visual novel coming based on Tron called Tron Identity, and mm-hmm. it's only announced for PC right now. Um, by the way, Disney Speedstorm is coming to everything, 
And it's supposed to come out before the end of the year, but they still haven't announced a release date. So this is interesting just in the sense that I'm always amazed that Tron keeps coming back. Yeah, because it feels like that's something we care about that most people don't. Yeah. Yeah. I love Tron, but it's just like. Me too. But most people don't. I mean, mean, there must be people in the Disney Corporation that are our age that also love Tron and keep trying to make it happen. (laughs) It's going to work this time. The only explanation for why this thing keeps coming back is it never does anything of note. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm glad it does keep coming back and I'm glad, you know, they keep, they they put a new backpack out for it. Yeah. This, this, uh, at D23, you could get uh, one of those little, you know, those little themed backpacks whose names, I forget the name of the company. I don't know. There's these tiny about. little backpacks. You see them at Disneyland all the time. There's these tiny little character themed backpacks, and they have the faces or whatever. But there's one that's like looks like a Tron. It's all yeah. Tron did up, and it's got like a identity disc on the back. Cool. Um, Lounge Fly or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Bithel's working on a game, so that gives you at least a little bit of hope. Yeah. I mean, but also, it is a also novel, Tron so. Tron 2.0, the game was a better sequel to Tron than Tron Legacy. So that's true. <laughs> That's like, true. I know everybody gives Tron Legacy the big pass because fucking Daft Punk did the music. But then they, the music in that movie is really good, but that is a really... It's kind of an okay movie, but it's a really terrible Tron sequel. Yeah. Um, the interesting part of Tron is sort of the, the real-world computer world equivalents. Yeah. And by setting it on an isolated server that has not been connected to the real world in 20 years, you are sort of removing that hook. The important part. So yeah. instead, it's just like, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. What? Also... We have to go to the part of the server that no one has ever been to, and it's super remote. We can't get there, and is that, except that there's a train that goes right to it. <laughs> yep. Read your script before you produce the movie, guys. Come on. A lot of people could take that hint. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's D23. Um, overall, pretty underwhelming. I mean, if that's the lineup of Disney video games that we're having to get, we're getting at this point, like improvements could be made. Yeah. Well, we're also getting Jedi Fallen, uh, yeah. Jedi Survivor. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's new, other Star Wars stuff coming. There's for some sure. new Lego Star Wars, but it sounds like just character packs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. But I mean, better than nothing. Yeah. Baby steps. Like you know, it's, yeah. they're they're getting their feet wet again, which yeah. is nice to see. Yep. Um, and they're they're playing nice with some of the licensed stuff, as I said. You know, there's that Marvel vs. Capcom two uh, arcade one up machine coming, which like nice like you know there was yeah. a there was certainly a point where we thought that capcom and marvel would never talk to each other again that's true and now here we are they're putting these old games out again some of them for the first time on anything other than the saturn right um yeah. so cool like you know disney is is sort of uh you know reaching the hand out a little bit and and re- acknowledging its history of of these licenses which is nice because otherwise it would certainly be within disney's power to throw all the old star wars and marvel games into a big box and throw them in the vault and we'd never see them again it's true they could ea it yeah. no question but they're not and i appreciate that yeah so anyway, there you go that's d23 i'm, I'm guessing next year it'll be even better yeah because they really so. are just kind of getting started again on this stuff so yeah. Hopefully next year it'll be better, and hopefully we'll get to see one of Amy's games actually in a legit trailer. Oh, and, and that presentation was actually done by people we know. That's true. So yeah, crazy. Well, some G four alumni bringing that to you. That's right. So. It's pretty awesome. Uh, okay, it's time for some of your favorite parts of the show. It's time for name that game, where I show you five screenshots for oh, yeah, a video. D twenty three is every two years. Oh, it's every so two won't, years. Won't be next year. So it'll be D twenty five. No, it's always D23. It's always D23 no matter the year. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. What's the 23 stand for? Uh, it's a Disney reference. Oh. I don't remember what it is. Okay. Someone in the chat will say. So definitely in two years, we'll, de- we'll get to see one of Amy's games. Hopefully before then. Keep our fingers crossed. Oh, 1923. Uh, when, the, when the company was founded. Oh, makes sense. Um, it's time for Name and That yes, Game. Yes, AJ the Legend Watson, I did get that pre-order. 
what pre-order for the MVC2 arcade? Oh, oh, that you were talking about on so, last was it last episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that did actually go through, and it should be here early October. Oh snap! We'll have to figure out a way to shoot that. Yeah, yeah. Roll cool. it in here. Uh, I'm not rolling a whole arcade <laughs> machine upstairs. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. We'll have to install that elevator in your house, Matt. Uh, okay, it's time for Name That Game. It's not Body Harvest. <laughs> Emperor Dread. There it is. <laughs> you already got it in there. <laughs> it's time for Name That Game, and it's not Body Harvest. Someday it will be, though, and he will not be here, I guarantee, whenever we finally do do Body Harvest. I like that he actually redeemed the message highlight for yeah. that. that <laughs> yep. Uh, and how Name That Game works is I show you guys five screenshots from a video game. You just try to guess what the game is. Uh, you're trying to guess the name of the game before Matt. You guys win all ties. If you've won it before, do not play. Don't even type guesses in the chat. Just sit back and chill. Don't be a part of it. Um, we also go into slow mode when we do name that game. So you only get one guess every 60 seconds. You can't just spam game names and hope that you guess it right. Make sure that you make your guesses count because you only get one every 60 seconds. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Every episode, I think I get the description for name that game down an extra like two seconds or something. Hmm. Um, but anyway, we're ready to go. And here is the first image for name that game. Oh, wow. That, that sure could be anything. Hmm. Rise of the Robots. No. <laughs> Zelda Wand of Gamelon. No. no. X-Men vs. Street Fighter. No. Echo. No. Dark Souls 2. No. God of War. No. Mortal Shell, no. Don't forget, you only get one guess every 60 seconds, so make them count. Bioshock, no. Mm-mm. That's a good guess, though. Yeah, the, the, the ocean at the yep. beginning of that. God of War 2018, no. Metal Gear Rising, no. Control, no. Okay, I think we're going to go to mm-hmm. image number two. I made that one hard to figure out on purpose. This one's a little more obvious, and here we go. PS3 water sim with ducks, no. <laughs> Tekken 6, no. It kind of looks like Skyrim. Ding, ding, ding! You won! Hey. Yeah, Matt! How <laughs> do you know? Okay, they did just now appear. I, that's hard to judge whether you won or they won, honestly. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. Give, give Erebus Jones some stickers or a game <laughs> or whatever this is. But you won for the first time in forever. Have you won before? Yeah, like the first couple. Yeah, you won like at least one before. Dang. Because I was the first person to annoy you by getting it on the first one. <laughs> and then the chat started doing it. Well, Erebus Jones got the answer in first uh, for Skyrim. So, Erebus, we will absolutely give you your game. Congratulations. It's impressive that that straw hut. I figured, like I said, this was going to be an easy one. I thought it might give it away, but I wasn't 100% sure. Um, that it would. There's your uh, round of applause, Erebus Jones, for winning in that game. One of our most loyal sifters. So it's good to see you win one. Um, and we'll just go through these images just for craps and giggles. That was the hut. What was it about that that uh, tipped you off? Other than the fact that you played Skyrim like 80 times. I mean, mostly the, the quality of the of what the straw looks like, plus like the runic stuff on the arch. I left it in there on purpose, yeah. And there, actually, there's like another thing like just out of frame there like a little like nobule thing on the pole that i cropped Mm. out because i thought for sure it would give it away but that was enough for you to get it Mm. and some other people in chat obviously um here's the third one yeah that's you think you would have got it from that oh yeah yeah because that's white run isn't it yep yeah yep here's the fourth image 
That one, I thought That's the trees pretty, would have easily given it away. I mean, you might just get Skyrim off that just because of the nature of the environment. That's true. And then this one definitely would have given it away. Because I included his horn yeah. down there in the bottom corner. And there you go. It's Skyrim. I've been thinking about using this game for a long time and name that game, and I haven't until now. And when I did it today, I was like, you know what? I think Matt's going to win today. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, if there's one game that Matt knows better than probably anyone else, it's got to be Skyrim. Yeah, I probably have about a thousand hours in that game. Yeah. And a lot of you guys got it, basically. Like Erebus mm -hmm. got in before you guys, but Emperor Dread, you were right there with Skyrim. The Big Smoke 82 is right there with Skyrim. A lot of people were waiting for their slow mode to reset, got it, and yeah. knew it when they saw that. Yeah. But that's why we tell you, don't just guess willy-nilly. You got to make your guesses count. And then JM Rain came in with Skyrim. How you doing, man? Hope you're doing good. And who else had it? Oh, JM Rain, thank you for Twitch Prime, by the way. Um, JM Rain, thank you for the Tier 1 subs. I guess you're going to be going back to school soon, or maybe you already did go back to school. He's a teacher, by the way. Um, I hope you're going back to school is working out well for you. And now you guys are just getting into questions for Q&A. And we can't do a ton of Q&A because we're already at time, basically. Mm -hmm. And we still have to slide in Vincent's segment for Tinykin. So we can only answer a couple, but we will answer a couple. Uh, let's see here. Um, Squishy Muffin, which Skyrim was this? The special edition one changed the water texture. It actually was from like three different versions of Skyrim, hmm. those screenshots. They weren't all from the same version. Um, AJ the Legend Watson, Shane, did you get enough partic participation questions for asking anything? Yes, I got tons. You guys really delivered, man. There's like 17 questions waiting for me to answer just on Sifted alone, and there's more on our Patreon. So thank you guys. You guys knocked it out of the park. We had that up on the site over the weekend. Um, yes, and there will be an episode of Ask Shane Anything coming up here in the next couple days. So watch out for that. Uh, Zabumafu with the Crack Bros. I understood the game of Forever as the game you can play forever, similar to the one game on an island question. So what are yours? Games as a service, games can be included. So he's asking, what's your game of the forever? So game of the forever just means the best game of all time. Right. That's just like your favorite yeah. game. We as just opposed to the game of the year. Yeah, we just did means. this like last yeah. episode. I said Ocarina of Time. a Desert time. Island game, then I don't, I don't know. There is no game that would keep me entertained that long. Yeah. Also, if I have a game as a service, I'm just going to use it to call for help. Well, I've also <laughs> said like a Desert Island game for me, it has to be a multiplayer game where I can just keep playing it over yeah, and but over. You could also just tell people you're on a Desert Island, come and save me. Like, <laughs> and then the chat. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd be all pissed off because all the people who complain about chat they removed it from the game and you mm -hmm. can't do it anymore <laughs> somebody get on headset what the fuck um, you're like, like writing help in like bullet holes <laughs> <laughs> on the wall that's funny um, and right on time Grimshaw Rocks asked should Nintendo do an HD remake of Ocarina of Time why haven't they well they kind of did yeah, with they did the 3DS ones or, uh, they probably should they should though they yeah. should up res that or do some, and I would it. not be surprised if it's in development right now and on the way but I you're mean, right yeah, they're about to hit another stretch where they have to tap dance until the next Zelda exactly ready, so yeah. get ready for the Twilight Princess HD get ready for the Wind Waker HD or get ready for an Ocarina and yeah. Majora's Mask remaster I mean it's, you're coming up on the, the anniversary next year yep it's 20, um, 25 years next year for Ocarina. So, yeah, I, I hope they do something. Uh, one from Sneaky. A friend who watched two reviews for a game I recommend, uh, and they put him off. But the game is two years old, so it's nothing like it was when reviewed. So it's like a game as a service. Do you think traditional reviews are dead in the way games are updated and changed weeks after launch? Most reviews don't even have the day one patch. 
Yeah, very few reviews go back and update. They always yeah. say that they will, and very few of them ever do. And Not I'm guilty of that, that, by the way, because I did that with the game eval for Red Dead Redemption 2. I said that I would go back and adjust the score once they released Red Dead Online, and they did, and I never went back and updated the game eval. And I probably should, because... And now Red Dead Online is canceled. Right, now it's your fault. <laughs> but I will say this, Red Dead 2 could end up being one of the first games of, for a game eval that gets a 9 or above. Mm-hmm. Because now instead of that zero, it gets but, replaced. But with now it gets a zero again because yeah, it it's gone. Shut it down. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's funny. Yep. Uh, we'll answer one more and then we got to go. Um, HMA forty two SFU thoughts on three four industries leadership change. So you saw Bonnie laugh. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, now I, I do think it's encouraging. I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who's taking over is the guy who apparently spearheaded the fixing of Master Chief Collection. Which is oh really positive like so clearly he cares and and knows what he's doing in that regard but I don't know it's hard not to see this as just more of the slow motion ten year train wreck that this franchise has been going through over and over and over again yeah um, I understand why Bonnie has had enough yeah let's put it that way well I mean it's a tough job yeah absolutely because you're dealing with people who have unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. they're acting as if the same studio has been making the franchise all the time I have unrealistic expectations I'll be honest sure. I'm part of the problem. Um, I expected co-op in the Halo game. Well, apparently, that was unrealistic. Right. I, I expected to be entertained by the game. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I I'll say this. I'm very so demanding. Apparently. I am friends with a couple hundred big developers on Facebook. And when this news broke, every single one of them took the time out of their day to sing her praises. Literally every one of them. Like, a couple people who worked at 343 were, like, downtrodden, like, borderline crying over it. So she is beloved, and people have a ton of respect for her. But I agree with you, Matt. I think she left because she just got sick of dealing with the fan base. Yeah, I mean, you can only do this so long. And, yeah, it, you know, it's it's that's got to be a day-in, day-out stress. And she is good enough at her job that she could probably do that job or similar a lot of other places for yep. the same or better money. Yeah. And not nearly as much in a public spotlight. Yep. So I can't blame anyone who would choose that over being on the firing line of the Halo franchise for another however many years it takes. She'll reappear. Yeah, absolutely. With a much better job absolutely. that she likes more and it won't drive her crazy. Mm-hmm. She'll be back. Um, I don't think it affects Halo all that much, though. No. I, like I said, I think the guy stepping in to replace is uh, seems to be the best person for the job in the sense that he stepped up and made sure the Master Chief Collection uh, got the treatment it needed. Um, yep. Obviously, it took a long time, but they didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, that could have easily been like, cut your losses and, and move, move on. on. Yep. And they didn't. And apparently, it was this guy largely you know, insisting on that. So it's clearly someone who cares, some, someone who wants the best for the franchise and wants to give the fans what they want. So I don't think you can really ask for better than that moving on from someone who is as uh, well-regarded and respected as Bonnie. Yep, agreed. She's great. It's probably Everybody not... Her. It's probably it not terrible. It wasn't her terrible. fault that no. the game is what it is. It's honestly probably not terrible news yeah. outside of the fact that, you know, Halo has just struggled to sort of have an identity and a consistency for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, it's been... I think people would argue it's been consistently disappointing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> if there's anything consistent consistent, about consistent in a good way, let's yeah. say. Yeah, Um but I, I mean, at least you can look at the, look at it this way. He um, he knows what it takes to fix a very broken Halo product. Yeah. And here we go. Yeah. Again. Yeah. 
Um, Ibiz, thank you for Twitch Prime. If I missed any of you guys who subscribe to Twitch Prime throughout the show, I apologize. Um, I try to keep an eye on chat, but I know I miss some. It's always better if you, if you can, if you wait till the end of the show or you do it at the beginning when I have time to look for them. But anyway, that's Game Phase 315. What a show. What a long show. Three hours and 15 minutes. It's a beast, but I knew it was going to be because we were away for a week and things were just piling up. Tons of big stories, lots of stuff happening. Um, next week's episode should be a little more normal-sized, and we will be back here at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern next Tuesday. We're here every Tuesday at the same time. Um, if you'd like to support us, if you're listening to the show on any of the podcast services and the show's on all of them, or if you're watching the show on YouTube, you want to know how you can help us, just head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. You can pledge whatever you want there. You can get, just give us a dollar because you just want to be nice. Uh, you can pledge a bunch of money because you want to support us and you want to see us grow. Whatever you want to do, it's cool with us. We appreciate every dollar. It's awesome. Um, if you don't have any money to contribute, that's totally cool. Um, you can still help us if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber with Twitch Prime. Uh, if you're watching the show on YouTube, the instructions to help us do that are right below. Um, it, you, it does take a couple minutes your first time because you have to sign up and connect your accounts. After that, it's literally two two clicks, and you can do it in like five or ten seconds. So we'd really appreciate that. Anything you guys can do to help, we appreciate every single one of you. So good to be back. Good to be with our awesome chat, talking games with you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Good to be back with Matt talking games. Um, and we'll be here for the entire uh, month of September and the first couple weeks of October before I take vacation in mid-October. And then after that, it's just a full-on pile drive through Q4. So thanks to everybody who showed up. Thanks for all your bits, all your all your uh, Amazon Prime subscriptions, all of it. It all adds up. It all makes a difference. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Game Face is up and out. Yeah.